Hey, I'm Evan. And I'm Sam. This, this is, is Movie Night, Night Madness. Madness. Yeah, welcome back to episode, well not back, but two, episode three of Movie Night Madness. <laughs> um, it's been a long week. We're a little all over the place, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll figure this out. Yeah. Uh, tonight, I think we're covering, well, it's night for us. It could be any time of day for you listeners at home. Um, what are we covering today? We are going to be covering Shazam. The uh, new movie uh, from David Sandberg, um, starring Zachary Levy. Um, and we've got a special guest for today's show. My husband, Andy, has joined us because he's a massive DC fan. So say hi, Andy. Hello. <laughs> Did you just do a fake British accent? <laughs> you were just like, hello, governor. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do it anyway. Can you do one, though, for the rest of the... I cannot. I cannot do British accent. <laughs> Let's all, let's all do one for the entire podcast today. <laughs> How about no? Is that, was mine terrible? Is it terrible? <clears throat> it was very stereotypical. I don't know if I can do any other kind. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard for us to remember. Like I can, I can sort of pick out accents. I think Game of Thrones actually helps with that. Yeah. Um, so I know what a Northern accent sounds like, but fuck if I can do one. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my British accent is all over the place because I'm not from any particular place in England, so my accent oh, yeah, not easily discernible. We had listeners before that thought you were Australian. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> when I went to university, people thought I was uh, American. Loads of people what? thought I was American, and I don't know why. That's bizarre because, like, Americans sound like Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell the difference when you hear both of us talking at the same time. Everyone here is obsessed with my accent. I, I'm always getting asked to say things. And people don't understand me at drive throughs either. That's the other <laughs> thing. Like, I, I cannot order at drive throughs Andy knows my frustrations. Like, they do not understand me at all. If I'm in the passenger seat, I have to literally yell across her and order myself because they can't understand her. I kind of have to do that with my wife too, but uh, it's because more because she's quiet. And then when she raises her voice to be louder, unless she's like standing, she does this thing where her voice isn't really louder. It's just more strained sounding. Um, <laughs> like she doesn't want to yell at anybody, right? So, but when she's standing up and she can project her voice, she can do a teacher voice. But when we're sitting in the car in a drive-thru, it's, just, it's the weirdest thing. So I have to yell across her too. Um, if I know Americans though, uh, speak slow and use small words. That's the trick. Yep. <laughs> hey that's uh endorsement from andy uh right on <laughs> i'll take it um yeah no i get i get accent weirdness um sometimes too but not not uh from from americans or other canadians typically uh there's people from other countries tend to think i have an accent but i don't know if I do, we talked about this once before. Yeah. You're the most stereotypical you, Canadian I've ever spoken to. You don't, I don't know. Sound like you have one for me, but uh, you got to talk to somebody from the great lakes or, uh, the East, 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 uh, part of Canada. Those are like the strange brew, like Mackenzie brothers, Canadians where they're like, how about a beer? Eh? You know, <laughs> like they're very, like, <laughs> Uh, I don't, most people in Western Canada don't, don't talk like that. We, we pronounce our about 
a little different. It still doesn't sound quite right, but it's it's not uh, the stereotypical one. I do no. say a a lot, I guess though. We've we've covered that though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can hear it, but but our dog's in the room with us, so. Uh, if we don't let him in, he scraps at the door. Scraps, Scrappy is his name. He scratches at the door. Um, so he keeps going under the desk. So if there's any loud bangs throughout the podcast that I haven't been able to edit out, don't worry about it. It's just the dog getting in the way. Is this your way of saying that we have a fourth guest? <laughs> it is, <laughs> yeah. A second our, guest, a, spe- our, a, spe- a special guest, Scrappy. Yeah, our three-legged dog, Scrappy. Th- three leg. You have a three-legged dog? You didn't name it Tripod? <laughs> No, we call him Tripod as like ah. a, as a joke, but his name's Scrappy because he looks exactly like Scrappy-Doo. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And he has the same personality as Scrappy-Doo, too. Uh, Scrappy fits with a dog that has three legs anyway. Yeah. Because they can say that, uh, you know, somebody goes, what happened to your other leg, Scrappy? Scrappy and go, the I can't really do a Scooby-Doo voice. That's the closest I could do. Aww. But wait, Scrappy doesn't sound like that. Scrappy sounds like a normal weaselly kid. He sounds like Richie Rich or something, right? Yeah. It's, doesn't he have like a New York accent or something? Jeez. I'm does trying he? to remember. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah, me neither. That, that, like, that, that's a mystery. Listeners, if you have any, try to solve this one for us. Send, send us an email and tell, <laughs> tell us. And also get mad at us for wasting all this uh, <laughs> lead up time talking about fucking Scooby-Doo <laughs> or whatever comes into our minds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, could, you could tell we, you could tell we do this once a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's see, you know, like uh, how everybody's doing. We, we usually kind of check in with each other. This is sort of part of that, but let's formalize it a little bit. How has your conjoined uh, week been you two? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I have a correction to make to the, what I said last week about uh, mm. going wrestling. I thought we were in Oregon this weekend, but it's not. We're not, or we weren't. We uh, we were in California instead, in Manteca. Um, Oregon's not until May. I don't know where I got it into my head that we were in Oregon <laughs> this past weekend. But uh, but we were still at a wrestling show, so I was kind of right. So, But <laughs> other than that, uh, my uh, my usual thing is just hanging around at home and sorting stuff out around the house because i'm still waiting on immigration stuff to get sorted uh other than that how how are you andy what's been going on with you i've just been working and wrestling (laughs) working and wrestling you know it (laughs) so you have a job aside from wrestling right yes what is it what do you do i can't remember I, i work security at the casino oh shit that's interesting yeah, it's pretty fun. My grandma, if you can believe this, uh, used to be a blackjack dealer, and she did she dealt blackjack at a casino in Vancouver for probably thirty years, off and on. Um, and she was still doing it when she was in her seventies. <laughs> wow, she must have been good. She's, she's yeah, I don't know. Uh, she was always very humble about it. Uh, my week's also been pretty pretty normal. I've been working a lot. This is like a busy time um, for subbing, so I've been I've been doing a lot of a lot of teaching. A lot of run around town uh, to different schools. Um, spend a lot of time outside, more than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> Has the weather at least warmed up for you? Uh, yeah, it's it's steady at around 10 degrees Celsius uh, every day right now. That's not bad. Some days have been a little bit warmer. On Saturday, we took my daughter out to the SPCA and pet cats and and uh, walked a dog and stuff. 
which I've never done that before. And it was pretty fun. That's like my favorite thing to do is to go see the animals at the shelter. I'm fairly allergic to cats. So I have to, not all cats, but a lot of cats. And so I had to like watch out. And it, the funny part about it was like, uh, I was like, shit, I didn't, I didn't bring any Claritin or any, uh, reactant or whatever allergy med we have. Uh, cause we always keep something around. Um, and then we get there and we're leaving the SPCA and then I'm, I'm digging in my wife's purse for, I think for, for her phone to give her. And, uh, and I found a, a plastic bag with a bunch of cleared in it. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, that was in there the whole time, I guess. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Cause I was sneezing and, and like, you know, I get, I get it pretty bad. Like I have a, like, I wouldn't say a hard time breathing, but I notice, you know, yeah. um, when I'm around cats for too long. Or whatever cats I'm allergic to. It's not always long-haired cats. It's kind of the cliches or the stereotype of, of cat allergies is that it's long-haired cats you're allergic to. But I'm, I, it seems to be dependent. Some long-haired cats I'm allergic to, some I'm not. And I think it's dependent on just how much they shed or something. Yeah. Or what time of year it is, maybe. I get a bit the, the same way with cats. Not all the time, but like certain like... I don't know. It just seems to be certain breeds of cats, I think. They must have some weird sort of shedding that they do. Just tickles your nose in, a, in the wrong way. I like, yeah, get like watery eyed. And if they, if a cat scratches me, it like puffs up like a mosquito bite and gets really itchy. Catch scratch fever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I think of every time. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's been a pretty standard week. Next week might be more exciting. Um but who knows? Oh, I have a break coming up, so that's kind of exciting. There's uh, there's two breaks um, in the second semester uh, in elementary and high school here. So there's a week-long break in February and a week-long one in April. You guys probably just have spring break, but I don't know if you guys would know what goes on in high schools and elementary school. Uh, I mean, I don't, but Andy might. I mean, the, the holidays are different here from the UK anyway. Even the school times are weird here compared to the UK. Yeah, lots of ours are different too. Uh, so. They tend to fall on similar days, but they're different things. Like, uh, except for like, we have Thanksgiving, Americans have Thanksgiving, but they're they're a month apart. Yeah. Um, but there's other holidays where they're right around the same time. Like Canada Day is July 1st, and then uh, Independence Day is July 4th. That's so funny because uh, the Isle of Man, our national day, Ten World Day, is July 5th. And it's, it's been July 5th for like 2,000 years or something ridiculous. It's just when the government gets together to discuss new laws and stuff and they sit on top of a hill and there's a big parade and shit. Early July, it's a big time for places. Yeah. 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 I, I bet you a lot of, I bet you we looked at like uh, a lot of countries um, would, would have July holidays. Okay, fuck it. This is now a <laughs> country's holidays around the world podcast. Every week is a new week. topic. <laughs> Every week we're, we're rebranding. We're like Madonna. <laughs> we're just going to find something we can settle on. It's going to be like pan flutes or something. Pa- oh, pan flutes would be good. <laughs> Jazz pan flute. Jazz pan flute where you just play anything you want. We could do it. We could make it happen. Some kind of like freestyle jazz. Well, I mean, I am a flautist and I do have a flute, so I could play it. You're a flautist? I am. <laughs> Scrappy goes flute? crazy when she plays. Oh yeah, my dog like freaking <laughs> goes mental. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're now uh what weird or unusual musical instrument do you play podcast? Because <laughs> um most people play guitar, Sam. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Andy, do you play any instruments? I do not. I used to play guitar, but I haven't played in a long time. I don't play anything. I tried to learn to play guitar. I got as far as glycerine by bush <laughs> that was it i play a, f- I a few instruments so 
Yeah, you're the musical one. Yeah, I play the flute, uh, the the guitar, the bass. I can just about play piano, but not very well. I like that. I can just about play. I mean, it's very visual, so you can just basically, (laughs) I can pick out chords and stuff. I'm just not very good at doing different things with different hands on the piano for some reason. I can do it on anything else. It's just the piano is just weird. I'm just not very musical. I wasn't, the the music like level I was raised with was like, uh, and Newfie jig dancing and uh, and spoons, <laughs> people playing the spoons on their laps, um, and so Newfie dancing is kind of like and probably de- derived from Irish river dancing. Yeah, and just like the whole Irish and Scottish and Gaelic dancing tradition, it's pretty similar in Newfoundland. So when I was growing up, when our family used to have really big get-togethers, there'd be people doing that, and there'd be one or two people playing like a ukulele or a guitar, but none of them were any good. They'd just play, they'd just strum a little bit of a tune, somebody would play the spoons, and then I think my grandpa could play the accordion. <laughs> that's amazing. And that, that's what I remember. It was very, it was very like, you know, watching like uh, redneck horror movies when there's some kind of like, um, I don't know what they call it. Boondoggle, maybe? No, boondoggle's like a bad thing. Uh, I don't know what they call it. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. I know you live in Nevada, <laughs> Drew, but do you know what this is that I'm thinking of? Like what the hill people do when they get together and play music? Uh, like a- I, know, I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to think of the word for it. Um, fucking, it's a hoot nanny, isn't it? Hoot nanny. Yeah, it could be a hoot nanny. Yeah, so there, it was like a hoot nanny. My my Ken would do <laughs> would do Christmas time hoot nannies or whatever <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, you know, and then they get all fall over drunk or whatever. So <laughs> that's that's about as musical as my upbringing ever was. My mom is like for sure for real tone deaf. Uh, I know that's like a thing where where like only a very few people actually are tone deaf. Most people just have bad pitch. Yeah, that's me. Uh, but my mom is flat out full on tone deaf yeah so my mom now my we're uh, musical history <laughs> your mom's your mom's tone deaf pretty much yeah your mom and my mom should go bowling <laughs> <laughs> they should my dad's there and you got any oh that's good opposites attract i guess hey <laughs> yeah and you got any musical people in your family my cousin used to be really good at guitar i don't think he plays anymore though and i don't think anybody else in my family plays instruments Apart from me. I think it's hard to keep it yeah. going when you, if you're if you're a hobbyist once you get to be a certain age like a lot of my friends who play guitar when we were in our early 20s they don't anymore either it's kind of hard to find the time well yeah if you have less free time yeah I would love to start playing guitar again I just don't have time for me it's like I, I have a lot of hobbies and so I've slowly been like just getting rid of the ones that like don't spark joy <laughs> you know? <laughs> have you been watching uh, Marie Kondo no, but like it's really effective. Ter- <laughs> it's really effective terminology when you pull it out of the context that it was meant for and p- apply it to other things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I yeah, minimalism is really my thing. But we're now on Marie Kondo podcast. <laughs> Two thousand years later. Let's let's get let's let's cut this shit out and go on a booster pack. What do you guys say? Booster pack. Booster pack time. So I'll start. I think I think you guys are, are going to talk about the same thing together. So I'll go quickly first because I don't think you've watched the thing that I'm going to talk about. Um, so I'm going to boost HBO's series Barry. It's a half an hour uh, dark comedy with um, Bill Hader. Oh, and, I love him. Uh, yeah, he. It's like his baby. It's it's like, he, and he's fantastic in it. But he's heavily involved, I think, behind the scenes as well. Um, so the premise, without spoiling anything, he was a soldier and now he's kind of a hitman, 
but he goes to LA for a job and discovers like a really, really low rent acting class. <laughs> and it kind of makes him start. He's always like kept his feelings on the DL. Like he's like borderline sociopathic kind of in the, in the kind of TV show movie sort of sense, you know, not the real way that that works, yeah. but how it usually does like, like kind of a Dexter sort of thing. And I would almost say that it's, it's almost like Dexter with a little bit more of a heart. It's not really <laughs> about killing people. It's about all the ways that, uh, you can like shield yourself from your own emotions until you don't even recognize it anymore when you're happy, sad or afraid or whatever it is. Wow. And I know that sounds like kind of heavy and it is, but it's, it's, it's so brilliantly comedic that it kind of sneaks up on you and gets heavy, sort of like maybe Bojack. Oh yeah. It's got a kind of a Bojacky kind of vibe and it's like, it is laugh out loud funny and like really, 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 really dark when it wants to be. Um, <laughs> I love a good that's a show comedy. I think people should watch. Yeah, and it's a good one. It's uh, you'll notice what I mean if you watch it. You'll notice what I mean about uh, about it being a little bit like Dexter. And yeah, I haven't heard of it before. So, did you say Derry or Barry? Barry, yeah. Like B U R Y. That's the guy's name. Or B. No, no, his name B A R R Y. Like, hey, Barry. Oh, Barry. Okay. Hello, other Barry. <laughs> That's my dad's name. Well, I'm not going to say it, Barry. <laughs> I couldn't. It's the accent, right? I know. Berry, 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 berry. What am I talking about? Am I talking about berries off of, tr- off of no, they don't come off trees, Evan. Uh, berries do. Bushes. Yeah. You can get trees. Burying a, burying a body or bury the Bill Hader TV show. Um, yeah, the, the reason I'm boosting it too, because like, you haven't heard of it and you follow media stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think people are watching it because it did get a second season. It's in season two right now. I think it airs after Game of Thrones. And, um, HBO always does that when they've got a really hot hour long series, they always stick another show after it, like almost like a palate cleanser or a release valve. And it used to be a show called Brink that I really liked with Jack Black. Yeah. And it's usually a half an hour kind of comedy thing. That's that seems to be what they what they've been doing the last few years anyway. And Barry is is that right now and it's it's excellent. Oh. I'm gonna have to watch it. It sounds right up my street, to be honest. I love Bojack. I love that kind of like dark humor. Yeah, it, well, it's got it for you. <laughs> um, there's an actor in it. Uh, I'm just going to look up his name real quick. And he is like the show's secret weapon. Oh, the Fonz is in it too. I forgot to mention. Hey. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, Henry Winkler, yeah, he's in it. So the, the, the show's secret weapon though is Anthony Kerrigan, uh, who's a very strange looking dude. In real life, like he, I think he has um, that that disease, uh, al- alpatia areata, where you lose all your hair. Oh yeah. So he has no hair on his whole body, and he looks like he'd be the bad. I think he even has played a bad guy in a few things. But he is this like gangster who's like really bright and cheery in a very L.A. kind of like new, not new age, but self helpy kind of way. And he's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I've seen him in a, in a few things. He's in Gotham. Yeah, sure. It's- you <laughs> I'll take it. No, fuck no. But he plays Zaz in, in it, I guess, from from IMD, what IMDb tells me. And yeah. that's good casting. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. No, I've never watched Gotham. It, it seemed bad. Um, you're I have missing heard, out though, a lot. That it, am I? I've heard, I've heard, I heard it got good. I have heard that. It starts out really slow and then gets a lot better. I was really close to stop watching it completely. And then an episode happened, and I'm kind of watching. And it's like, oh, I want to watch the next episode. And then 
I just got hooked. Ah, yeah. Sometimes stuff is like, uh, you know, it takes a, you have to give it more than one episode. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried it yet though. Uh, I don't have the like, to me, it's like, like if, I can't walk down the street without tripping over a DC TV show. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard. Even yeah, Marvel, no like I, I'm way behind on the Marvel shit too, because, uh, uh, the, the one, two punch of, um, Iron Fist and, uh, the second season of Jessica Jones, both being pretty bad. Um, although Iron Fist is way worse than Jessica Jones, uh, kind of put me off Marvel for a while. So I, I fell behind on all their shows too. Yeah. It's hard. There's a lot of TV shows with superheroes right now. I've been watching Doom Patrol and it's pretty good, but I don't even know if I have time for that. Yeah. I, I really enjoy superhero uh, films, but I can't really get into them as TV shows. It seems to go on too long for me. I've got like a, a limited attention span when it comes to watching things like that, I think. Well, the CW shows are designed, a theory I have is like CW TV and TV that's marketed mostly for teenagers is designed around uh, the knowledge that the person watching it is going to be distracted watching it. So they tend to restate plot points, character relationships, plot, uh, lore details, whatever, every 10 or 15 minutes so that you can follow it if you miss something. Yeah. And I, they used to do that with TV shows in general because of commercial breaks. Now most people don't watch things on commercial, but the writers of these TV shows, I don't know whether they're they're just repeating what was done with the commercial era just because that's the structure they know, or if it's because um, they're aware that people watching are probably spending a lot of time on their phone while they're watching. Yeah. And I just, there's so much TV out there that, that rewards attention and doesn't, and doesn't stop or, or would stop working if I, you know, check Twitter every five minutes when I was watching it, I wouldn't be able to follow it. Yeah. And I'd rather watch something like that where it commands your attention typically than something that doesn't. Although I have my guilty, guilty pleasures. Yeah. I actually really like that part. You like the ability to kind of like, check out for a minute and then check back in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of arrow and flash. I watched Supergirl for like two seasons and didn't really care for it. I was into flash, uh, for two seasons. I, I gave it two seasons and I really liked it. Uh, when it was at its strongest, uh, I never could really get into arrow. Um, and Supergirl, uh, I watched when I did other things and that's like what I'm talking about. Like I can watch those shows if I'm doing something else while they're on, but I don't tend to do that. Like when I'm watching TV, I'm watching TV. Do you find Andy that, that you, you do other shit while you're watching these, these shows and that's good. That works for you. Um, not really. I just have a really bad memory. So if something happens, I don't remember what it is. And then they recap. Oh, I actually, okay. well, yeah, yeah, I watch it on my phone. So I can't really be on my phone and be distracted. I'll watch it while I'm on at work on lunch. Okay. That works, hey? Like, because cause it's like, uh, yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. Like, uh, checking in on something that you don't have to, like, because they're not, they're not super demanding shows. Like, no. you can watch them pretty casually. And then uh, that works for, like, a lunch break. Where, like, try, I can imagine trying to watch, like, Game of Thrones on a lunch break and the screen is too small and it would just kind of ruin it, you know? Yeah. Uh, although I have done that kind of thing before. <laughs> I just... I've done that before, too. I actually started watching Game of Thrones when it was, like, on their third or fourth season. So I was oh, trying okay. to binge it as much as possible. And just kind of every spare moment you had kind of thing? Yeah, just to try to catch up. Well, you're a busy guy. Like you got a job, like a regular job and you wrestle. It sounds like you wrestle pretty regularly. So I bet you you're trying to squeeze in time wherever you can. Hey. Yeah, usually. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have more free time than I know what to do with. <laughs> so I'm the same yeah. at the moment, but I'm still not watching things. Like I'm still like I'm like flitting all over the place at the moment. We were literally just discussing that on the way back today when we were talking about what we were gonna boost um this episode. Yeah. Uh but uh I neither of us has watched anything particularly recently because neither of us can sit down to concentrate on anything at the moment because we've got so much going on that trying to find something new to watch we just tend up to what end up watching like ridiculousness or something on on cable just because it's something easy to put on and you don't have to concentrate on it uh but you guys did have one thing you wanted to boost yes so the the one uh show that we've managed to sit down and we actively binged because we just got so into it was the uh ricky gervais uh show afterlife on netflix um where it's written and directed by ricky gervais uh, ricky gervais plays a, a middle-aged guy and he's uh, sadly recently lost his wife to cancer and she left him like a video diary that she was making about how she didn't want him to waste his life waiting uh, to die basically she didn't want him to sit around and be sad and uh, think about how he lost her he she wanted him to move on with his life and basically you know find love again and get out and you know just enjoy life even though she's not there um and it's kind of like follows him as he struggles with um his um grief at losing his wife because um it, 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 the show is interjected with like scenes from when they were when she was still alive and um, they were living together and stuff and they have this really loving relationship and they've been together for a long time and they were always playing practical jokes on each other and they just have this really loving relationship and it, it just is so human um it's but it's so funny but it's devastating at the same time it's like the only show that i've i've actively i've been laughing but crying at the same time because i'm so sad for him um and it's it's just typical Ricky Gervais humor. He's kind of he's kind of like a marmite person because he's got some very strong opinions, and he loves the word cunt. Yeah, he sure does. But he he's just he does play himself in most of his roles. But in this, he was just fantastic. You could you could feel the grief, and there was a dog in it as well. So we love a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was just great. It was the timing of the comedy. The um, there was no effort to like. Uh, like rush through scenes where there was something really sentimental and um like emotionally devastating going on they really sat in it so it really it really got you um and it plays on like my worst fear as well of losing of losing andy so so i think i was able to like watch the show and kind of put myself in his shoes um because right because i would imagine Oh, I can't even imagine the grief I would feel if I lost Andy. So uh, I think it just really got to me. It's just, it's fantastic. It's, uh, everyone should watch it. Um, we loved it. We binged it in like two days. How many episodes is it? I think it's like eight or 10. It's it's not very long. Yeah. It's like a limited series. Yeah. And Andy, did it hit you the same way? Or is it, is it, uh, would you, would you agree with, um, with uh, Sam's rave review? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with it. I really enjoyed it. I'm apparently I didn't realize this before, but I'm a big fan of British humor. I just think it's like some of the humor that he has is really funny, and it's a good story about him losing his wife and and all that. It's just a great show. Yeah, all British people are uh, depressed and alcoholic, so our humor tends to go along with that. It's very dark. goes It's rooted in a dark place, so. It, Ricky Gervais is really good at bringing that out and kind of saying the things that people are afraid to do. 
uh, to say. Uh, so. I always uh, associate British humor with like a, a kind of a, a stoic wit, like um, a dry, like, and, and Canadian humor can be like that too. Yeah. Um, particularly because like most Canadians grew up on British comedy to a certain extent because uh, our, our media companies here um, or our broadcasters have to include a certain amount of Canadian content. It's like a law and British content counts. Yeah. Um, so I think I've mentioned that before. And uh, so, you know, there were always lots of British comedies uh, available on whatever channel or whatever, uh, no matter what TV company you went through. Um, so I think it's pretty influential in, in Canadian comedy and uh, and society as well, actually. Yeah. The thing I've noticed a lot since I've been in the States is the, is the humor is completely different. Um, I, I find it really hard to watch things like Home Improvement um and like last man standing the kind of tim allen kind of like family centric shows i find them really hard to watch because the the difference between like a, an american family and a british family is that british people tend to insult their family but you know they're joking americans tend to insult their family you're not quite sure if they're if they're joking or not and that's like the hardest <laughs> thing that i that i find to like get into because i just find like like the patriarch that that Tim Allen kind of plays and it's kind of like a staple through most American comedies um, is they just tend to be assholes and I find them really irritating. Um, well, I mean, I, th I think British comedy tends to not care about, uh, like, I mean, this is like totally me like talking about this and you can tell me if you feel the same way, you would obviously know better than me. <laughs> but I always feel like British comedy is kind of about like, um, it doesn't really care about about making a point about exclusion and like American comedy is exclusive. So like last man standing, the reason why he's like, you know, always berating his family is because they're just props for the demographic, uh, experiment that is that show to continue. So like last man standings about the middle-aged white man and what they, the show thinks a middle-aged white man is like, yeah. and, uh, and versus everybody else essentially. So when you're watching that show, you're getting a, like a, some, a, a certain amount of like insight into that mindset or that demographic like reality and how everything else feels to that is basically just mockery, you know? Yeah. Um, I just think, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, uh, American comedy cynical. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really hard to get into. I don't overly enjoy it too much. And most, well, there's other, there's other American comedians though, besides Tim Allen. Yeah. I would put him way, I think, I think he's washed up. So <laughs> I'd put him way at the bottom of the list <laughs> if I was going to try to, I think I'm just picking on him because he's like a big staple in our house. Like, uh, in, in oh, yeah. the evenings, like Andy and his dad always have like home improvement or last man standing on. So I typically go and do something else when that's on. I just, I, gr I grew up it. on home improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so did I. I, I feel that I grew up on home improvement and, uh, home improvement and, um, a bunch of like, like, uh, comedy shows, family comedies, um, from the States, like particularly ones about black people. So, uh, family matters and, uh, and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air were huge. Yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was one of my favorites. It's been rediscovered, hey? Tweens and teenagers, like, love that show. Yeah, it's great. They love it. We, yeah, we were... Uh, the 90s are coming back. They are. They are huge. We were actually discussing uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the other day when we were coming back from a wrestling show because uh, 
Andy is trying to like work on um, his like his presence when he's wrestling. So trying to get more into character of like Dreamy Drew, right. his wrestling persona. <laughs> so we were discussing like chat up lines that he could use uh, on ladies in the crowd. Like when he if he's with his tag partner and he's like stood at the side of the ring, then he could go like go pick on a lady and just be like, all right, love, how's it going? Kind of thing. But we were like trying to find like good chat up lines that he could use. And there was like a whole article of Fresh Prince of LR ones, which were just amazing. And we just we had a good laugh about them for like a good 20 minutes. It was a great show. Oh, yeah. You could just you could pull you could pull them just out of Will Smith's mouth from that. Show. <laughs> yeah. So smooth. But yeah. Oh, man. You know, you should give uh, give Saved by the Bell. Give Zach Morris on YouTube yes. a go and see if you get. Yeah. yeah I used to love I, Saved I by just, the Bell. I still love that show. My yeah, wife I'll and I still are working on a very now. slow. Yeah, we're working on a very slow watch. She never watched it growing up. So we're, we've been kind of moving through it. And we watched the grade eight season, which is really hard to get through. It has not aged well. Because at first it was about the teacher, Miss Bliss. And it started off being called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And it was about the teacher. And yeah. then the the kid characters were so popular that they transplanted them to a completely different city, completely different school, and only kept some of the cast. And they kept building and that, like out of the teachers, and I think that's it. And then they kept like uh, half the kids and recast uh, the other ones. And that's how we got Mario Lopez and Tiffany Ambertisen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like Saved by the Bell is a very interesting history. I think I, I read a book when I was a teenager, uh, the one the one Dustin Diamond wrote. That is supposed to be all lies. <laughs> I read that when I was a teenager, I think. I didn't even know he wrote a book. He did, yeah. Uh, he was the most unpopular member of the cast. They all hate him. Yeah, he was. And uh, he was younger than them. He was actually like 14 or something. Or not, sorry, not 14. He was like 12 when they started. And he was supposed to be, they were supposed to be like the age of the characters. And uh, and he wrote a, a tell-all tell, tell book about all the drama behind the scenes and all the rest of the cast like distanced themselves from him after that. <laughs> Why would you all do the that? sex, drugs, and rock and roll amongst child stars. <laughs> the usual story. Speaking of child stars, shall we move on to news and rumors? Because I believe you're going to talk about uh, some of the upcoming Disney stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, interestingly, none of the stuff, none of the things that have come out of the con, uh, the convention, that uh, uh, interest me or about kids. <laughs> um, imagine that, right? So as the listeners probably know, um, Disney just had its big convention. I can never remember what it's called, B3 or something like that, where they announce the things that they're going to be doing for the next couple of years. And because Disney owns like 47% or something like that of all media in the States now, um, that's everything from Star Wars to the Marvel to the classic Disney stuff we know and love. Um, particularly they pulled the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine and did the title reveal. So that happened. It's called Rise of Skywalker or The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, because there's not really a lot to go on besides like old fights about previous Star Wars movies and the title itself and the very little were shown in the in the trailer, people have been making a fuss with every little bit of it. I don't really want to talk about that because I could give a shit. <laughs> yeah. But I do kind of just want to get general thoughts on on the teaser, whether we're still excited for the for the Star Wars saga, uh, as we know it, to come to an end, uh, how we feel about J.J. Abrams coming back, just real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. I, I love Star Wars, and I, Star Wars, like the original trilogy, like episodes like four to six were like my staple as a kid. I used to watch them like pretty much like once a month or something. We had them on VHS, and I would always have them on. Um, and when I lived back home and I had my own flat, it was like full of, well, flat apartment. It was full of um, full of Star Wars stuff, so... 
I mean, I love it. And I love J.J. Abrams. I loved the original Star Trek film that he did. And I've loved all the stuff that he's done, even if he does overuse lens flare. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited. I watched the teaser trailer and I'm just, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to finish. I, I think it's going to be great. Where are you at with it, Andy? I've actually never been that big of a Star Wars fan. I'm still not that big of a Star Wars fan. I didn't see a single Star Wars movie until just a couple of years ago. Holy, how did you get through your childhood without just like stumbling across one? I don't know. Like I've probably seen it like channel surfing and stuff. And then, you know, like Darth Vader and the, and all that. I, I understood those, the main story of it, but I've never actually watched the movies till just recently. Crazy. And I, I, you know, I actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't harp on it too much, but I, cause I can relate. I didn't watch Indiana Jones until I was an adult. How? How? Like none of it. I, I just, still I haven't know. seen Indiana just, Jones. What? Oh. We're getting a divorce. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> and you know, and you know, I think watching it all at once, like uh, without having time to grow, like have my imagination grow with it, and all that shit. I, th- I really think that uh, I don't like Indiana Jones as much as I, it probably deserves. I just don't care about it. And uh, same with Back to the Future. But I watched the first Back to the Future when I was a kid. Like I grew up on that movie a bit. Yeah. But the second and third one, I never saw until I was an adult. And I just don't care about them, really. Like, when people make a big deal out of Back to the Future or Indiana Jones, I always feel like that's not my scene, you know? So I kind of get how you feel about Star Wars. That makes a lot of sense, because now that you're talking, I basically did the same thing with Star Wars. I watched them all, all the way up until, like, The Last Jedi, basically back-to-back. And it could be the same, possibly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of movies, though, too. Like, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future, at least it's only three each. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, nine fucking... No, there's there's 11 Star Wars movies as, as it is. Yeah. Um, and then there's going to be 12 right away. Oh, no, sorry. There's there's 10 and there's going to be 11 right away. Yeah. Right? No, there fucking is going to be 12 because I keep forgetting Solo exists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, I still haven't watched that. Wait, there's only two side movies. Rogue One and Solo. So there's going to no, be another back, one, though, isn't there? Haven't they just 11. announced no. another one? This is why we do the news and rumors section. <laughs> they do not. They're they're done making. Um, they're they're done with the Star Wars story movies. They weren't doing well enough or something, so they've rethought the whole thing. I guess they decided mostly that that fan service or trying to explain things that have already happened isn't really worth doing. Um, and so they're going to do a trilogy with Ryan Johnson, the guy who directed Last Jedi. He's going to do something with Star Wars, but it's not going to be Skywalkers. Okay. And it might be either in the distant past or in the future sometime. He's going to do a whole new thing. Um, but that's it. Other than that, there are no movies that anybody knows about. Although one of the Disney things that came out about Star Wars is that is the footage for The Mandalorian, which is a TV show, the first live-action Star Wars TV show. Oh, Okay. It was a it's a game that I was thinking of. Sorry, I was oh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen, Fallen Order. Order. Yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer for uh, it today, and I I thought it was a film, but I must have. It, it, yeah, they used a lot of mocap, and the trailer's all uh, cinematics. Yeah, but man, I think the main character looks like a jerk. <laughs> He's just stupid looking. Yeah. And uh, just everything, the hair, his stupid face, and I know he's it's an actor, and actually the actor who plays him is from Gotham. I'm pretty sure he's the not not really Joker Joker guy in Gotham, but somebody was saying that. So I'm not sure if that's true or not. You guys, if you watch the trailer for the game again, maybe you can watch for that and let me know if it's him. But uh, he just looks like he looks like the guy who plays Archie Andrews from fucking Riverdale, you know, 
And so like, I couldn't stop seeing, oh, the Riverdale in the, in the Star Wars universe. Great. But I will probably play the game because Respawn Entertainment is making it and they're awesome. Yeah. Now we're a video game podcast. <laughs> we just go all over the place. You got to go with it. We, we, yeah, we just got to just gotta just flow. It's... So uh, the, the Mandalorian, though, I did see the, 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 the footage. It was one of the only things they didn't put on the internet like immediately because nowadays uh, when things happen at a convention or an industry um, event... Uh, whether it's video games or movies or TV or what, usually it ends up on the internet. Like the companies, they know that somebody's going to leak it, so they just put it on the internet right away. And then that way they can control the quality, right? The Mandalorian was like the one exception at Disney. They did not put the footage that they showed. I think it was seven minutes of footage and a sizzle reel trailer. They put all that, they put all that in front of the audience at the convention, but it wasn't on the internet until somebody leaked it. And I've seen the leak and it does look good. Werner Herzog is in it for fuck's sake. <laughs> you guys know who Werner Herzog is? No, I don't. He's a German filmmaker, mostly known for documentaries, ah, and yeah. uh, he's his voice and the way he talks is sort of his claim to fame. He was the bad guy in Jack Reacher in the first one. Okay. Um, we don't talk about the second one because it's garbage. But <laughs> there uh, was the second one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but he's awesome. Werner Herzog rules. He rules. I actually, uh, my mother-in-law went to t- Iceland and, and happened to go to a uh, uh, talk he was giving about filmmaking, <laughs> and she got to like march up to the front and ask him a question, and she's so proud of that, because <laughs> like, there's footage of her standing there talking to Werner Herzog, <laughs> That's crazy. and uh, she's very excited to show that to me, because she knows I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's, uh, I could, we could do a Werner Herzog podcast, we could, we, could, we could do a Werner Herzog podcast for five fucking years with an episode every week and never run out of things to talk about. Uh, he's awesome. He's a living legend. So he's in a Star Wars show. That's kind of crazy. And then they, they announced another show. Now, this is where things get a little interesting because I was saying before that it looks like Disney's getting away from doing the prequels and that shit. Yeah. But they are doing a show about Cassian from Rogue One. Um, he's the guy who dies at the end. Spoilers, sorry if you haven't seen Rogue yeah. One people out there. Um, which one was he? I can't remember. Okay, so the actor who plays his name, I always I always mix him up with a different actor. Um, let me just pop it up real quick. He is Diego Luna. Good. Okay, Diego Luna. Oh, I was right yeah. before. Yeah. So he's Diego Luna, and then Alan Tudyk plays his robot K two S O. Was one of the best parts of that movie, and they're like a, a pair. But when we meet them, they're at kind of the tail end of their career together. Like it's like meeting Han and Chewie in Return of the Jedi instead of in A New Hope. Yeah. Um, kind of. And then, uh, and so they want to do a series about those two. And maybe we'd see some of the other characters um, that popped up in the movie that that weren't just meeting for the first time. But it sounds like it's going to be kind of a Rogue One series, which is like not necessarily a bad thing, but kind of breaks that whole idea about stop doing the thing where a character di- is dead or something. We have to like see their story now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys should watch Solo, though, when you get a chance, because it is better than people say it is. <laughs> Andy's shaking his like, head. He really doesn't want to watch it. it. You didn't, <laughs> I'm not a oh, big it's, fan it's, of the character Han Solo. Holy shit. <laughs> Fuck. You're going to have to cut that, Sam. <laughs> that, they're going to they're gonna fucking kill us. They're going to fucking... All the, all the fucking people over 35 are going to fucking kill us. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to kill us. All 19 of our Han listeners Solo are going to disappear. Like, that's... That's like that's like walking into a fucking mega church in Florida and saying you don't like Jesus. <laughs> like that's 
<laughs> like we're gonna be in trouble but no uh han solo uh, i i could take him or leave him too honestly um <laughs> oh like i mean he's fine like building a movie around him might have been a mistake maybe but i don't think the flaws of that movie aren't because of the character it's a just a really fun half of the movie at least maybe three quarters of it is a really fun space adventure and it kind of feels like the best parts of firefly rolled into a movie yeah um, it definitely has a Firefly-ish vibe. It's a space western. It's it's good. It's better than it has any right to be. It's only when it starts getting into like, um, kind of like bigger stakes uh, plot shit that it kind of falters. Yeah. Uh, and there's some the weird lore stuff they did that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And there's more fan service in that one than there is in Rogue One. So there's a bunch of character cameos that they shouldn't have done that are distracting. But like other than that, it's it's better than better than advertised. Uh, better than its box office, I guess. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on with Star Wars. Uh, on Marvel news, so everybody knew that there was going to be a Loki series, that they've been talking about Tom Hiddleston being in his own show on the Disney Plus streaming channel. Yeah. By the way, this is all going to be on Disney Plus. Of course. Um, and they released some info about pricing and, and all the different... If you're a really big Disney person or a big Fox back catalog person, there's a lot of lists online that you can go and find, listeners, that uh, tell you, tell you give you a, a slice of what is all going to be available uh, on Disney Plus and when. And it sounds like it's going to be a beast, but there is some indication that it's not really going to compete with Netflix after all. They're going to be kind of complementary in, in a lot of ways. Most people, I think, are going to end up having both. Yeah. Um, but they announced three... Marvel shows. I thought one of them <laughs> was a joke, to be honest. With the with the, uh, I thought name. they were fucking all jokes. Yeah, I thought it was an April I thought Fools. They were all jokes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what month is it? But they, uh, Jeremy Renner's getting a Hawkeye show. Uh, yeah. Elizabeth Olsen and um, Paul Bettany are getting a Wanda and Vision show. Haven't they given it and a stupid name though? Isn't it like Wanda Vision? It's called Wanda Vision. <laughs> that's what it's called now. I doubt that that's what's going to end up being called. And then there's another one called Falcon and the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to be Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. Now, strange. What I think is interesting about this is they're doing this so they don't have to give these characters their own movies, which is a nice lateral move, I think. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't. I don't. Why would? Why the fuck do I want to watch a show about any of these people? Yeah. It's like. <laughs> Like I'm skeptical. I like all the actors. I like the characters. It's all good. But what would a Falcon and Winter Soldier show even be about? I have no idea. I like, like yeah. same with Wanda and the Vision. Ass kicking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ass kicking and 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 bromance probably. Uh, hopefully, but like, ah, fuck. Like, like I just is it going to be just like Agents of Shield where they like fight terrorists or or, or Hydra all the time? I just don't know. Uh, and it's hard to be excited about a show involving characters that really don't seem like they work outside of their relationship to one of the main Marvel characters. Yeah. But I do trust Marvel to do something interesting here, especially with everything in their own house. I think, for instance, Jeremy Renner and his own Hawkeye show, that one I'm excited about. Yeah, that one I'll probably watch. But, but the rest of them, like, I wouldn't watch a film of them, so why would I waste... A good like eighteen oh, hours of my a life. Film. You'd watch a film with them if they dropped a solo film that was about Wanda and the Vision. You'd go see it. I'd make sure you go they'd, see it. You know they, yeah, they'd kill. They'd be it'd be awesome. It's just them doing TV shows that nobody knows anything about besides maybe the title and who's in it isn't really great. 
if they try to do some kind of shared universe thing where they're basically going to scrap all the Disney Netflix stuff, uh, so get rid of Daredevil, get rid of Punisher, all that shit, and then they're going to do these shows instead and then get them to all team up yeah. at, at like the season finale or do some kind of like Arrowverse thing where yeah. twice a year there's a big crossover episode. They could do something like that, I guess. I really hope, though, that they learn a lesson from the Netflix problems where um, the shows were too long. Yeah, uh, I hope that they they try to keep the episode length to and and not the individual episode length, but the number of episodes to what the story that they come up with needs. Not stretching a story across thirteen episodes yeah. that really could have been done in eight. Yeah, which is the biggest problem with all the Netflix Marvel shows. Um, so hopefully they they do some stuff like that. But all we can really do is speculate at this point because all we know about these shows is which characters are getting shows and what maybe they're going to be called. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take years for some of this to, to actually end up being trailers, I think. so. Yeah, I'll probably watch the trailer, see if I, I'm keen on it or not, and then maybe. But th- again, this is kind of like tying into like everyone was kicking off about cable bills because cable costs an absolute fortune. So everyone moved to streaming. But now the streaming services have taken over and you're paying pretty much exactly the same amount you're paying for cable for streaming. And every Not in Canada. And everyone keeps like... <laughs> bringing up new streaming services so things get taken off netflix so then if you want to watch that then you need to get another streaming service and then there's something i'll get that, taken that... off that so they need to get another <laughs> streaming service like just give me one streaming service i don't i don't care yeah monopolies america the americans are gonna love you sam um yeah <laughs> in canada like uh cable and satellite cost a lot of money so uh, $13 for a Netflix subscription versus $50 for basic cable with five fucking channels or whatever it is, uh, is pretty good. Um, adding Disney to that, like paying 20 bucks a month, that's all you pay for most Canadians that, that currently or did once pay for cable or satellite. For the same amount of content spread across a bunch of shit you don't care about, it's, it's a steal. It's a really good deal. Uh, the States, there's a lot more competition. Uh, like, for instance, we don't get Hulu up here. Yeah. Um, so we can't watch Hulu shit. So some people pay for that. Uh, we don't get HBO Go up here. So some people pay for a- pay HBO uh, a monthly uh, amount, and then they just get HBO stuff. So you're right. There are too many streaming services probably fighting for our attention. I think what's going to happen is it's going to drive people towards piracy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But from a big picture economic political sense, it's better to not have a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, D- Disney buying out Fox and creating like the closest thing to an entertainment monopoly that the States has had uh, since TV was a thing is pretty crazy. So I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, from a consumer standpoint, like it's a lot of fuss to watch the stuff that you want. And that's why we got into streaming. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. Everybody got on Netflix because it simplified everything. Yeah. No, I used to watch Netflix for everything. I was watching stuff on Netflix every night. And now it's like all the shows I want to watch have moved to a different service, which I don't have, yeah. which is more, which we can't afford to pay for right now. So it's like, you know, for instance, I want to watch Game of Thrones, which is on Hulu, but um, we have Hulu, but we don't have the HBO section of Hulu. So to get that, we've got to pay right. an extra $15. And it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> and then with that, you're not just getting the thing that you want, which is Game of Thrones. Uh, you're getting a bunch of HBO shit you probably don't care about. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. that there's like a granular granular kind of way of looking at this. Like big picture, it used to be like packages of channels and maybe you watched one of them. Now it's getting to a thing where people just really want the shows that they want to watch. And maybe someday what they'll do is instead of offering us uh, uh, a subscription service to a platform, 
that has a bunch of stuff we maybe watch and they're hoping to get us to watch more stuff on their platform because that's how they pay the bills. Uh, maybe what they'll do is they'll, they'll start selling TV shows a la carte, which would make it even more chaotic. But at the same time, I think we're probably only five or so years away from somebody um, being able to platform in one place all the all the uh, the the streaming services, you know, yeah. especially in the states. Kind of like how uh, a good podcast app can get you access to every podcast, no matter where it's hosted. Right? Yeah. Um, there'll be things like that, I think, for uh, for streaming stuff. Except that the streaming companies themselves will fight that. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. They won't. They won't want that to happen if it ever does. So you might get like things like Roku and and you know how like there's like all these kind of like gray area uh, boxes you can get yeah. that do things with your you know like th- there might be more of that coming down the pipe for those people who don't just fucking pirate stuff. Piracy's about to make a comeback, I think though. Oh yeah, in a big way, for sure. It's. I think it's time to 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 say say his name. Say my name. You what? I don't. I don't have a damn clue who the hell you. Who wants to say it? Andy? Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. So, uh, by the way, I think that should be our special podcast name. It should just be Say His Name. Say His Name. Or Say My Name. Say, say My Name. Yeah. It's better than what I was coming up with anyway. That's, is that what you're going to go for? Good. Um, <laughs> so, I was thinking about that. Now you, I got you thinking about haikus, hopefully, and you got me thinking about special cool episode titles. I forgot about the haiku. Um, <laughs> Oh, I've got, I've got, I'm ready to go. I've got some ideas. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the movie first, maybe. Yeah. So getting to our main event, uh, Shazam, uh, I, I feel like I do most of the talking, so I'm going to take a step back, <laughs> and Andy's our guest, and he's the Shazam, resident Shazam fan. Yeah. Shazam fan? Shazam? Shazam? Shazam. 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 <laughs> Shazam. Shazam. Uh, Shazam. <laughs> so Andy why don't you kick us off and tell us uh, your general thoughts with the movie so when we first went to go see it I didn't really care for it I didn't know the original origin of the movie or of the Shazam story and then just recently I read the origins of how he got his powers and I know a whole bunch of people are gonna hate on this movie because it's not the same from when how he got his powers and how he got it picked. Now, the kid, I can't remember his name, but the kid who played Billy Batson did a really good job at playing Billy. <clears throat> not... Well, the guy's name that played Shazam... Zachary Levy. Was yeah. it Zachary Levy? Was yeah. it Zachary Levy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super jacked Zachary Levy. Zachary, a bigger <laughs> Zachary Levy than ate the smaller Zachary Levy. He was a buff, buff man. <laughs> yeah. I don't... He's a big baby. I, didn't, I haven't read that much comics of Shazam, but I don't think he played the Shazam character very well as far as the Shazam character in the comic book. He was really good in the movie. He was super funny. The movie right. was really funny all together. But it just it took a couple of weird turns. You're coming at it as like an adaptation kind of thing, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you're you're kind of you know enough about the character in the comics to kind of like be like this is a thing that they did in the comics. Oh, this is something new that they did for the, just the movie. Is that kind of how you watched it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I had I had no previous knowledge about Sazam. 
other than that they were previously called he was previously called captain marvel for the dc comics that's about yeah. that's about as, as far as my as my knowledge went for shazam and i absolutely love the film i i think it's the best movie i've watched this year which is saying something considering how much i love captain marvel but uh well the comic books of captain marvel maybe not the film but uh but yeah i i i thought it was so funny it was so it was like quirky um i loved zachary levy i thought he did the role really well um there was a quote for him from him in an interview where he said that essentially shazam was going to be um big like the film big but with superpowers and i and that's the feel i got from it it is zachary levy yeah. did, did the perfect enactment of a 14 year old suddenly in an adult body realizing that he can do whatever he wants and not only is he in an adult body but he's got superpowers like he's got super right. strength he can get shot he can fly all this and and he does take it that whole selfish way where i'm just going to make money out of what is i've suddenly discovered i've come upon i'm not going to use it for um for, for good at the start or anything like that so i absolutely loved the film and um I thought it was really it was really well written. It was an incredibly human. It was really easy to empathize with the story of the kids in the foster home. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. It was the best film I've watched this year, hands down. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I still us for me is still the best best movie I've seen in 2019, and probably will be one of the best movies I've seen in 2019 when when the dust settles. Um, but it was it was it was good. Like it was really 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 good. Um, I'm a little, I might be a little harder on it than uh, some people just because, uh, not not you guys necessarily, but some people just because uh, when it came out, it was like universally praised. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody on film Twitter loved it. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen a negative review or a negative comment really about it, except for some criticisms about it, about it as an adaptation, like Andy was saying. Yeah. Um, just like things, you know, the, th the kind of things you notice when you first watch it, like, and then if you watch it twice or you think about it for a while, that stuff bothers you less. But the first time, I mean, you and I have talked about that sound. Yeah. We talked about Captain Marvel. Uh, I think the first watch of something that's really beloved to you, that's an adaptation. It's always going to have a little bit of that, like checklist of like things that they changed or things they, they were, they left out or, or, you know, stuff that doesn't really work because you were hoping to see it and it didn't, wasn't there or stuff you thought was out of place. Yeah. Um, for instance, I think I know something like, uh, about what Andy was talking about. Cause somebody was, uh, Bob Chipman, movie Bob did a video about the origin, like Shazam's whole comic book origin thing. And it's a really good video. If you just want to catch up on, on this stuff, it's very interesting. Like how Shazam lost the Captain Marvel name, how that all shook out with, with, versus uh dc and, and marvel it's a lot less uh dramatic than than it seems like it would be yeah um but one of the things they change is that i think in the comic books shazam when he when he turns into uh captain marvel when he turns into the superhero uh it's a different personality yeah and then only recently have they done a thing in the comics i think and, in, and of course the movie has this too where billy is still billy even yeah. though he's in shazam mode yeah. right um and what I thought about that was, was uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with tweens and teenagers because of my job. And uh, I thought that this was one of the depictions of a kid, Billy's age, that was really honest, especially about the shittier parts of his personality and what kids can be like yeah. without being judgmental. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, they don't try to make some kind of like sociopolitical point about it. There are politics in this movie, but they're pretty like 
they're pretty old school. Like it feels like a nineties kids movie, like the Goonies or something like that. Because yeah, it it's does. all there, but it's not, yeah. it's not front and center the way it is in a movie like the kid who would be King. Yeah. Where that movie is making a very like, it's more like a Harry Potter movie in a sense where the politics are kind of backgrounded and like, it's got kind of a more universal timeless feel. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like it has to take place nowadays. Like Billy's a kid. He's not necessarily a millennial or, or generation Y post-millennial kid. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's, it's easy to transplant this film anywhere. Yeah, it could have been made in 1985 and it would barely be different. Yeah. I d- I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Aside from like the special yeah. effects. <laughs> yeah. Like I think it took some of the, like, I, I wonder if the writers of it were influenced by Stranger Things at all. Cause I think Stranger Things gets at that a lot too, where, it, where it feels timeless in a way. I know, I know that it really loves as a show. It loves its eighties references. Yeah. Like you, you can't, you can't mistake the fact that it takes place in the eighties, yeah. but at the same time, the way the storytelling works, it feels like it could be, uh, it could be, it could have been made in the eighties or it could have been made in the early nineties or it could have been made now or it could have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this has a little bit of that too, I thought. Like a kind of a, a a really rare sense of the timeless that most movies nowadays don't really have. Yeah. Most movies nowadays feel like they're a product of right now. Yeah. It was very uh, it was an easy follow it was an easy film to follow. Um and mm-hmm. I, I liked that it didn't really push any agendas at all. It was just it was really fun to watch. I didn't have to think about it too hard. Um, I could just sit there and switch off and I didn't have to think about any like socio-political, um, you know, ties perhaps in the, in the film story itself. Um, and it was just funny. It was just, it was a great coming of age story. It was a, it was a great, uh, kid finds his, his inner strength story and realizes that family is, is where you make it. It's not, who birthed you essentially um and 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 just facing up against um adulthood as well i think really well um and i loved um mark strong in this film as well as dr savannah um i I think he did really good job of making him yeah and they did a good job like and he's kind of he could do this in his sleep yeah like this is the kind of part that he ends up getting a lot but he they they did the writers were smart enough and they got a good actor to, to bring this to life but they did a thing where, and this is one of the things where the movie feels like it's either a little bit too long or a little too short. Um, that's one of the criticisms I'll make, and I'll come back to this later. But with Dr. Savannah, I feel like it's just a little, they're working on this thing where where he's basically what Billy was, like he could have been Billy. Billy could have turned out like him. Yeah. But yeah. Billy had a family that, that tried to care about him, uh, even though he was a foster kid. And uh, Savannah had a family that, were, were like awful to him. So he grew up twisted. Right. Yeah. And it comes back to something we talked we've talked about before on this podcast, this idea that if you have a kid and you raise them with love and support and validation, they're going to turn out better than a kid who is like abused or neglected or whatever. Um, yeah. and it's sort of, the, it's almost like the version of the story of that story that we get in, uh, Black Panther say where where Killmonger I, I go back to this a lot because Black Panther is a really good example of this and I felt like Shazam kind of goes there where Savannah is like a dark reflection of Billy yeah. as he could have been yeah. if he doesn't have these people around him but at the same time uh, it's a little bit there's a little bit not enough there you know what I mean yeah and uh, for instance I didn't I thought his dad died in the car accident I thought that the, as well the, yeah and his dad just pops up in the movie, like old and like there, you know, and I just didn't expect that. And it kind of, it just felt like they could have used another five, 10 minutes of, uh, Savannah doing stuff 
um, and kind of more of his storyline. Yeah. But they do they do give us little bits. They they squeeze every drop they can. There's that bit where he rips that wreath off the wall and just throws it on the ground, and it's a very cartoonish moment where he's like, he hates families <laughs> so much. You know what yeah. I mean? Like uh, that stuff works really well in this kind of movie. I just wanted a little bit more of it, not to the extent where it gets really. Uh, serious or grim or or too sophisticated about its like mirroring themes, but just just a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, even though yeah, I did like love my, it. <laughs> my one of my two criticisms, you know, yeah. and, and it's not to take it doesn't take anything away from him. Like he's got pathos. He's really good. Um, I do sort of wish they would have cast someone else, somebody a little bit more of a Zachary Levy type. It would have been interesting to me if they were if uh, Savannah was the same age as older older Billy Batson. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then you might be getting into like Spider Man Three territory where where Peter Parker and Eddie Brock are too similar in too many ways. Yeah, and then yeah. Venom yeah. is too much in that movie. Maybe just basically Peter Parker or Spider Man in a black suit. Um, who knows? Like they, they, they probably thought about all of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. Uh, I think, um, I think my only kind of like, I, I don't know anything about the comics, so I don't know how much it's integral to the actual storyline, but I wasn't quite sure why the seven deadly sins were the main like nemesis in the film. Yeah. It's actually the same way in the comics. Yeah. The Black Adam... He trapped the seven deadly sins and then released them in the comics, at least. And then they were like his henchmen and they had to follow what he was, what he would say or he would trap them again. I, I thought like, um, like, they're, 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 like what's, it's kind of weird about the seven deadly sins is just like, you know, the, it, it doesn't track in a lore way really. Like, like, cause I mean, this is the kind of thing like we're used to, um, we're used to superhero stories or any kind of stories really having a kind of more logical sort of like uh, lore underpinning. Cause like Marvel does this really well where they take even the goofiest, most fucking weird ideas that don't make any sense, but they only make sense in the sixties yeah. or even earlier yeah. kind of stuff. And they, and they kind of update it. They modernize it in some way. And Shazam doesn't do that. No, it's just the seven deadly sins or they're <laughs> like, like it's right out of Biblio Christian theology it's it's that whole thing yeah one of shazam one of the acronym names it's actually solomon it's all greek and then solomon <laughs> you know out of the bible so it's, it's like they they just lean right hard into that yeah. and i thought the monsters were scary enough and cool enough um but it did sometimes feel like they were in a different movie yeah it kind of bounced between um being like a comedy superhero movie and being um like kind of like horror in places like a really yeah. dark yeah. uh children's film um, but that's one of those yeah. timeless bits, right? Because kids' movies, when we grew up, we, you and I have talked about this before. Because uh, I remember you saying once that you didn't want, you don't like it when when kids' movies go too dark. And I pushed back on you because I was like, "Hey, do, don't you remember like Land Before Time and shit? Like, <laughs> kids' movies have been dark forever, and I, and they they often aren't anymore. They're no. very toothless. Yeah. Um, and this one isn't. This one, I when it does the get serious. Yeah, and, and I mean, this one does it in a good way. I think it handles the tonal shifts pretty well. I think the monsters are, are scary in a fun way. Like, they're not so scary, and they don't do so many scary things that kids won't be able to handle it. Yeah. But where, the, where that strength really is is that the movie doesn't shy away from poverty. If there's any politics in this movie, it's really about that. Like, usually foster homes are bad places yeah. in movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not a bad place in this movie. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like... 
and like there's there's poverty here like why does his mom reject him well partly it's the fact that she's moved on and partly it's the fact that she was young and poor i could relate to that i was 17 when i had my kid too yeah you know um I wouldn't shut the door in my kid's face. (laughs) That's cold. But the movie doesn't shy away from those kinds of things. That does happen to people. And they don't Hollywoodize a lot of that stuff, which they really, really easily, easily could have done. Yeah. They they really could have watered it down and made it made it more friendly and fluffy, and they didn't. They they try to stay as real as they could with that stuff and still make the movie about superheroes and not about that stuff. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I was impressed by that. One thing I noticed that I thought was weird was that the seven deadly sins in the movie were like monsters, where in the comic books they're drawn more humanized. They're like just right. these people in weird outlandish costumes with abilities of whatever the sin that they are. Yeah, I, right. I will say that like I wasn't too keen on the characterization of the seven deadly sins simply because I wanted them to be a bit more true to the sin that they're representing. Like I could, I could only tell greed apart from the rest of them. Well, they were treated sort of as one character, right? Oh yeah. Well, their designs weren't like you could see, there's a couple shots where you see all of them and you can kind of, yeah, the, the movie doesn't, doesn't dwell on them enough for you to see, okay, no. that one's pride because he's got the wings and he looks real regal. That one's gluttony because it's got a big belly and that one's greed because of whatever. You're right. Like they're, they're really undercooked. Yeah. It's really the focus is on Savannah. Yeah. So then the question becomes, if you're going to have seven, the seven deadly sins anyway, why, why not do more with it? And I kind of feel like the answer to that is because they're probably, they've already greenlit, greenlit a sequel and I don't think the seven deadly sins yeah. are, are, are going to be gone. No. Like I think they're they're gonna be around and they'll they'll try to mess things up. Yeah. You know. Uh, no, Sam was actually just talking about them casting Dwayne Johnson for the Black Adam. As always, oh, Black. Yeah, he's been rumored to be to be playing Black Adam for a long time. Yeah. I really hope he does. I am so stoked for that. Me too. He was gonna have his own movie. Um, it was like once upon a like time. the early two thousands, uh, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and and no one knows if he's still attached or not. I don't think anymore. Maybe one of if our, one of our listeners has been paying more attention, they can send us an email and let us know. I think he was attached to it in twenty seventeen, and um, from an article yeah. I read, and he was a producer of this film. Um, yep. So I would assume that he's still attached to the project. Yeah. And so hopefully he, it's about him and the next one, and they can bring the seven deadly sins back in some way. Because isn't isn't uh, Black Adam basically the same thing? It's a it's a yeah. it's a Shazam kid that went wrong. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. It was the it was a kid that got the Shazam powers, and then all he wanted was revenge. So he just wanted to like take over the world and get rid of everyone who's getting imprisoned. Well, what I think they should do, uh, this is what I would do if I was going to do a sequel. Maybe it's a little bit premature for this conversation because uh, there's more to say about this movie. But just quickly, um, one thing that I thought that they should explore, and this will touch on something I wanted to say anyway, one of my favorite things about the movie was the Shazam fam. So I did not, they hit it so well that they were all going to turn into Shazams. And I don't know the comics, so I didn't know that was a thing in the comics until after I saw the movie. But the, f- the fact that all the kids get powers and they, they work together as like, a, as like a unit, that was super fucking cool. Yeah. That was a really, yeah. really good surprise. It dovetails really nicely with the, with the theme of the movie, which I would say is power only really matters if you share it. Yeah. Like it only oh. really works. Like we're all, we all do better when we all do better kind of thing. It's about like, it's, it's about the family and how a family can work together to make positive change, but it's also kind of about everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Evan, I have a question for you. Me and sure. Sam were discussing this after the movie. 
that scene where all of his foster brothers and sisters get the abilities, do you did it seem like to you that each kid got one ability or they all got all of the abilities? I think they all got all of the abilities, but I feel like um, the movie's almost reminding you that they, what the abilities are by by featuring each one specializing in one of those abilities. Okay, yeah, I that makes sense. I do think they can probably all, but we'll see, right? Because we don't, I don't know if we see them all fly. So see, maybe that, not. Maybe that's what I was thinking too. Because in the comics, he's they all get all of the abilities. And when I was watching right. the movie, I was purposely trying to focus to see if any of them besides Freddy flies, any right. of them besides um, the little girls runs fast, they all have like one of his abilities. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. The other thing that I think was unclear uh, at the end of that um, was uh, whether they keep those powers or not. Like, whether it's just for this a one-off thing or whether they're all going to be able to Shazam any old time they want. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's clear at the end of the movie, and I feel like they're that's doing true. that on purpose so that they could decide for the next one based on how people react. Now, th- I hope they keep the powers because what, what I want the next movie to be about is one of them going bad. Yeah. Uh, that's, that seems like the most logical place for it to go. At the same time, though, it'd be also interesting if they wanted to bring Black Adam into it, have uh, have it actually be, the structure of the story would be like, Billy makes a friend, and that friend is sort of a bad influence on him. So he's got his family on one side and this new friend on the other, and through whatever circumstances he gives the new friend the Shazam powers, and the new friend becomes Black Adam. Yeah. And uh, then the movie becomes an origin story of Black Adam, who's played as an adult version by The Rock. <laughs> And uh, and then they, they he ends up becoming Shazam's arch nemesis in Dark Reflection. So in the end, yeah, he goes back to his family because he realized they're the ones who really care about him, and the friend just wanted the powers. For, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I hope they do something like that because uh, there's not a lot of monsters or or enemies that they could fight that would be interesting to watch them fight. They got kind of got the same. They got the Superman Captain Marvel problem yeah. where they're so powerful that it's kind of hard. And I don't want to see them fight. Unless they make it really emotionally interesting, uh, I don't want to see them fight um, another person that's got the same powers as them, like Savannah. Yeah. Because um, Savannah's too disconnected from the family to have those stakes. But the movie's doing all this other stuff anyway, so they don't need that emotional connection yet. But it's always a good idea to go that way for a sequel, I think. To, to dig in to the family and rip them apart. Like the way Civil War does with the Avengers, you know? Um, something like that would be, would be really cool, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but, I was actually uh, going to mention... I didn't seem in the Shazam movie that he wasn't that powerful, and Shazam is very powerful. Right. So, like, I don't think they showed his abilities, but I can also understand uh, with him just getting it, he's not really fully developing his his magic yet. Well, what else can he do uh, normally? Because he's got the lightning, he's got the super strength, super speed, he's invulnerable... Um, he can fly. He is, and he can fly. So that's like that's Superman, basically, right? But yeah. with lightning, but with the lightning, yeah. yeah. So and no kryptonite weakness. So what else can he do in the comics? That that those is are he just those way are... stronger in the comics. Now I'm trying to think. One of the abilities that the smart foster kid got was that he was able to talk to electronics, but I don't think Shazam Ah. 
was able to talk to electronics. That'd be cool too. If in the second movie, they, they all learn ways to use the powers. Yeah. Um, cause I can see them hand waving, uh, being good with electricity, like having electric powers translating into being able to communicate with machines. That would make sense and be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, uh, that that'll be cool to see if there's because I hope so, right? But he sm- he smashed the staff though, so yeah. I yeah. wonder uh, I wonder what that means in terms of because it felt like watching the movie though that the people who wrote it cared about Shazam lore and and like weren't they weren't just making a shitty movie like like a like the old uh, some of the old uh, X Men movies or um, yeah. or uh, <laughs> Green Lantern where they just kind of like uh, and kind of spit something we out and we have do to watch not speak it. Speak of Green Lantern. <laughs> Sort of. uh, you're you're probably right about that. Um, although I thought I thought Parallax was or whatever his name was was cool looking. Um, that's about it. That's about all the nice things I'll say about that fucking. Movie. Yeah. So, uh, although I thought it was kind of unintentionally hilarious that like like Hal, uh, that is the Hal. He's Hal in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he has the power to make anything he imagines real and his imagination is so bad that he, like the stuff that he makes with his ring is just really fucking stupid. <laughs> like, and, and I, I kind of thought that was unintentionally funny. Like if you gave that ring to somebody who was like an artist or like a, a writer or somebody with, who's like a dreamer, like somebody with a, with a real imagination, yeah. it'd be crazy. But they give it to a, to basically a jock yeah. <laughs> and all he can do is make green fighter jets, like uh, fucking hilarious. Uh, and, and the movie's very ableist. It's like the bad guys in a wheelchair and they just, they they just stunt on him constantly. <laughs> no wonder he turns evil. Anyway, <laughs> fuck that movie. Um, one other flaw I want to bring out now that we're talking about the family is the one other thing I would say is undercooked in the movie is the fa- is the other characters. So like, uh, I I didn't think we spent enough time with the foster siblings to really get to know them. Yeah. So while I I think the Shazam fam thing works and was really awesome, it mostly gets by on surprise value. Yeah. Like it's 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 shocking and surprising and cool, and it wasn't in the trailers, which is really rare nowadays that nobody going to see that movie would have known about that unless someone told them. Yeah. Um, that was pretty all pretty cool, but at the same time, I wanted to get to know the family more. They try a little bit, a little bit. Like Mary and stuff, you and Darla, you get the most. But Eugene and, uh, or is it is it Eugene or am I thinking of yeah, Eugene right now? Okay, Eugene and uh, um, Pedro, they Pedro, they don't yeah. get, yeah, they don't get much, right? Like you don't really get to know them, and it's kind of it was kind of like ah, uh, you know, like come on, like like and the, the you know the dad who's played by an actor that I really really love uh, from Cooper The Walking Andrews. Dead. Yeah, I love that dude. But he keeps calling Billy's son, and it's really unearned. Yeah. Like, not enough. I know time is passing while uh, Billy and Freddy are figuring out the superpowers, but it doesn't really, you don't really feel it in the movie. So, so like, he, like you know, him being kind of tighter with the family for a while, it just doesn't really click that well. Yeah. I think they needed a, a couple more scenes, or maybe what I would have done. Now, I hate doing this whole thing where you go, this is what I would have done, but what I might have done is I would have, during the part where the, the montage, where they're learning the powers, I might have cut it with Billy getting used to being in the foster home. So it feels like uh, there's more pathos when in later on in the movie, he decides to go see his mom. Because in, in that point in the movie, in movies like this, that's where the hero is tempted. Like things are going good, but then the hero is like going back to the who they were before. Yeah. They're tempted to be to go to like basically backpedal back to whoever they were before, like regressing from whatever they've learned. Um that's kind of what they're doing at that scene, but I don't feel like it, it, the only person he's connected to is Freddie at that point. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like he's like really part of the foster family yet. 
and I wanted that. That would have made uh, everything in the third act work a little bit better than it did. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of like a nitpick. It's not. It still works. It just. I just think the movie is so good that you can see where it could have gone that extra level. Yeah. And that would have been good. I think. I think for me, it works because although you know Billy's kind of a dick to the rest of the Foster family <laughs> yeah. for the entirety of the time that he's living there yeah. apart from Freddie that he kind of gets to know a little bit and then is a dick to him again but he's still a dick anyway yeah, yeah but yeah. I think because they're all foster kids they kind of see where he's coming from and they can understand the reasons that he is being the way that he is because he's been through so many foster homes so I kind of think that yeah. is where they kind of endeared themselves to him um that's true and they're supportive no matter what which is what's important about them right like that and and that's how it wins him over in the yeah. end is that he can be a dick but they still want him around and they still love him they're not going to abandon him and they're not going to tell him the fuck yeah. off yeah they're not going to tell him it's a bad time uh you're right and that's all in the movie for sure i guess it's not really about billy like i didn't want billy to be nicer to them necessarily i just wanted to spend more time with yeah. them yeah because those kids were all good actors and yeah. uh the bit where they're where they're like really stoked about being shazam fam was all really 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 good yeah you know so i i hope the second movie doesn't doesn't dial any of that back and i hope that they they really dig in and make this about all the kids yeah you know that would be great Uh, as much as as much as they can because it should always still be centered around billy yeah yeah i wish um i wish jimon houndsu had been in it more he was a nice like touch yeah, at the start that was a funny (laughs) word he just yells he's just yelling at (laughs) everybody all the time um yeah, yeah, like I think all the actors are really good. They're having fun, and, and one of the things that we kind of started to touch on earlier that I want to talk about too, uh, about tone and about theme. Yeah. So one of the things you were talking about was how this movie doesn't feel like it's really about all like anything too serious. So you can kind of just enjoy it uh, on the cheesy fun level that it exists yeah. on. Um, yeah. And I think the, one of the keys to that is that every other superhero movie that comes out, um, the tone and themes are adult oriented. Yeah. Not. Yeah sophisticated like crazy like adult movie stuff but the movies are about adults and about like at least abstract adult problems you know so all the heroes in the mcu are adults all of them yeah uh batman superman wonder woman all adults aquaman an adult so whatever they're doing even though we don't see the stuff that adults do that kids can't watch like fucking and uh shitting and whatever else we do um you know so they're not really about things like adultery and like um uh, I don't know the 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 philosophical ennui with it with oh, that settles in when you're in your 30s and just feel like nothing means anything anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't really do that, right? The, the 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 themes are still accessible for kids, but they're still centering adults. Yeah, and a lot of the themes are abstract philosophical themes that are easier for an adult to understand, like what is a superhero or. Uh, you know, how do you negotiate power as a as an ethno state that's that, that nobody knows about? So Black Panther being the most overtly political Marvel movie, um, kids can get into it, but the themes of it and the way it centers its story is still pretty much adult stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot there to chew on or whatever if you want to. Shazam though, it's all about kids. It centers kids. The main character is a fucking kid, even when he's an adult. Yeah. So it's it's very different. So when it when it tackles themes, it's doing it in a kid way. Yeah. In a, in a sense, like, you know, so it's cheesiness is a very honest cheesiness. It's darkness is a very honest darkness. And it, it doesn't like, it's very straight faced, uh, in a way that I think kids, it gets kids, I think, cause kids are like that. They don't really, uh, massage anything. Like kids are very blunt, right? Yeah. Uh, and this movie can be kind of blunt about kid stuff and, and about its themes in a way that like, 
you know, the Winter Soldier couldn't really be that blunt about being an anti-war on terror movie, which it is. But it's all packaged in this, like, Marvel Universe kind of stuff so they can hide what the political themes are so that the movie can stay accessible to everyone. Do you mean the DCEU? You know? No, the DCEU is a whole other uh, a whole other kind of thing going on. Um, Winter Soldier, the Captain Mar- or America movie where oh, okay. it's about the war on terror, where, like, you know, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to have those gunships that can kill anybody anytime. It's really about drones. Okay. You know? Yeah, I got confused. Like, you'd have sometimes. to be... <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be, like, living under a rock for the last 15 years to not know that movie is about drone strikes. Yeah. Like, that is what it's about. It's just like how Star Trek Into Darkness is about, uh, generally speaking, the the war in Iraq, you know, um, and, the, and the false uh, WMD shit and all that kind of stuff. Like, these movies are all about the political moment that we're in yeah. and the things that are happening and, and the culture that we live in. Um, but Shazam gets to kind of transcend most of that. Yeah. Like the one political thing that it's doing is showing people that uh, there's no shame in being poor and being an orphan. Yeah. You know, Um, you know, and it kind of gets to do that. It gets to have its cake and eat it, too, because Billy is kind of a chosen one (laughs) anyway. Yeah. So he gets to have special powers, even though he has a shitty, uh, well, we normally think of as a shitty life. But of course, the movie does is aware of that in a really cool way. And now I'm thinking about this. And it sidesteps that issue by having it be like, Billy isn't the chosen one, really. He's a, she's a shit. He's like a little asshole, yeah. but he's all the, the wizard. It's like his last resort. Yeah. Right? The wizard's just so like, Billy we'll has to you. still grow. <laughs> yeah. So the Billy has to grow into being a hero. He doesn't get to just be one right from, right from go. Yeah. Uh, which is actually, which is actually a nice way of dealing with that, that problem. Cause I think the chosen one trope has got to go. Yeah. You know, no, I agree. one of the reasons why I like the last Jedi so much was because it goes after that. Um, I think that this idea that we're all going to grow up to be Luke Skywalker or whatever has done so much fucking damage to our generation yeah. that it's 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 crazy. Everyone expects it'll great be studied from decades from now. Yeah, yeah. Like we we need to realize that like it's really what you what like we as a as like a collective. It's not really even what you make of yourself. It's what you and the people in your life and the context you're in yeah. makes of you. You know, it's like a group effort, right? It takes a village. And I, I think the movie does does some of that stuff in a really cool way. Like it it doesn't have Billy just on his own learning to be a superhero or with a sidekick. It's It takes a family effort to get him there, you know? Yeah, I think um, Billy is very much, pretty much exactly the same as, uh, as uh, Savannah was as a kid. They're pr- pretty much exactly the same in a way. And then it's just who wants to take it where. And because Savannah right. was from such a horrible, like, toxic masculinity-focused family. He was just out for violence and revenge, whereas when Billy was given his powers, he kind of had this, like, pseudo-family around him that kind of took him in the right direction and was like, you've got powers. You've got to use... You've got to use these powers for good. Right. And, And where the movie gets political again is the fact that they're a poor family, they're ethnically diverse... And uh, Savannah's family's white and they're business people. They have a family company in a giant building and they're rich as fuck. Yeah. And like that, that, there's politics all up in that. Like that's all political. And, uh, but it's political in a, in a really accessible way that it's, it's hard to go. There's an agenda here, but I mean, of course there is like, it's, it's talking about 
I don't think there being agendas and things is bad, though. Just full disclosure, yeah. I think I think everything has an agenda, right? But um, and I, I, I dislike that terminology, but I'll use it anyway. Yeah. Um, but the idea there is to show that, like, like you're saying, like his family's kind of toxic masculinity. His dad certainly is. His brother's a little bit like that. But they're not even that bad. They're kind of like like what I imagine Mark Zuckerberg's family was like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how it feels. It feels like they're very normal privileged wealthy white family that's made up of men because we're the women yeah like if, if savannah had a mom or a sister do you think he would have turned out that way maybe not no you know and it's that the movie is doing that on purpose like um the women are just as influential as the men in in uh billy's life yeah right and, and billy quotes his foster mom um later on in the yeah. film because she's saying you know well well it's was well, foster dad as well they're having that conversation when he finally comes home about you know home is where you make it it's not where your right. parents are. So I think that was like kind of like the message that played into that as well. And it's important that the movie does that too, because if they hadn't, then, because uh, there's not that many women in the movie. Um, his mom, though, is a pretty negative uh, portrayal of like a woman in her circumstances. Like, yeah, it sucks. She Like she tells a very, it's interesting they give her a chance to tell a story that's relatable yeah. still. Even though she abandons her kid, I, I I bet you that more people than not would that her parents especially will watch that scene and be kind of like it's not like they would have ever thought of doing anything like what she does but at the same time like you always think as a parent you always wonder how you're gonna fuck your kids yeah. up yeah you know yeah. and if you, there's a bunch of circumstances that are kind of stacked against you as a parent you might think would they be better off without me yeah you know I wouldn't leave my kids at the Philadelphia police at all ever <laughs> I watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia so I would never let my kids go to Philadelphia in the first place <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> it's like, you never know when they're going to go into fucking patties. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I think that stuff's, that stuff's good. Um, I lost my train of thought thinking about always sunny in Philadelphia. Now all I fucking, <laughs> like, all I can hear is Glenn Howard going, uh, <clears throat> my tools. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I will say that I didn't get teenage mother from the flashback. Uh, no me neither she no. she kind of was like you could only see her face really she shouldn't look like she was necessarily that young no so and i yeah i don't get how i mean i don't understand how she could walk away from billy and just leave him but right but at the same time i don't know how she got away with walking away and leaving him like surely there you, yes. you can't get away like with kid abandonment yeah. Like, I mean, I think they do, yeah. they do a thing where she changes her name right uh and that's kind of like that's kind of how how it probably happened but you're right like it's a little if you think about it for too long the idea that he never ran into his mom his whole life yeah. and that she was in the same city and that whatever uh nobody went nobody really looked for her that all is a little bit shaky yeah uh especially nowadays i, I could believe that something like that happened in the 80s yeah you know but not nowadays and like um but i did like that they made time to show these other characters that are women, like uh, particularly Mary, the older sister, and the mom, because they 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 balance that out. Like they they're showing they're saying you know not all teenagers, not all young women are gonna be like his mom who like can't hack it and gives up on yeah. him. Yeah. Even though like the, in, in another movie she would just slam the door and the, the the drama or sadness of it would just be centered on Billy and that would be it. In this movie you get a moment where you hear her story. Yeah. Her side of the story. Mm-hmm. It bothers to do that which is super important. Like that's not something most movies would do. No. No. And um, speaking of the women as well I did enjoy uh, the uh, how the message of that growing up in a group home isn't necessarily a bad thing that you can still be successful right. from that and that you can use 
um, your history as like a foster child or whatever you've been through as a positive message, as showing how you've grown uh, and how you can become a better person because of it. Because the older sister uh, gets into uh, is it Caltech, um, and she's on the interview she's doing an interview when right. Billy first comes in and they're talking about being from a, a group home and how it's, how it's brought her to be a better person. Uh, and she gets into Caltech right. based off that. So I think that was a really good message to have as well for anyone who is maybe from a foster home or is in the care system that just because you're from that sort of background, it isn't a negative. You can, you can draw from that. You can draw inspiration and draw strength and, and move forward with your life and become a better person because of it. I honestly think, like, I think the complete opposite of you, Evan, as far as the um, the scene where he goes in and actually finally meets his mom. I think the whole thing with him and his mom, including his mom leaving him, like, I, I don't think that even needs to be in the movie. I don't think the scene when he finally finds his mom, I don't even think that scene needs to be in the movie. Why do you think that? Well, in the in the comic books, his parents don't leave him. They he just gets lost, and then gets put into right. the foster, and he doesn't remember anything. He gets put into the foster system, and I feel like I don't. I feel like it takes a really bad person maybe to just walk away and leave your kid. If you can't, if you feel like you can't take care of a kid, which I know a lot of women will never give up their kid no matter what, but if right. you feel like you can't, then get release it to give them to the foster family, give them to a friend of yours that you know that they can take it, take them like a good family or something. Don't just abandon them at a carnival. Okay, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't like. The movie is like definitely not letting her off the hook for that. Like, but I, I think I have a different view of it. Like, I don't think she was planning on leaving him there. I, I don't think there's any plan at all. She gets separated from him, and then she, it, it, the idea pops into no. her head. Yeah, what that the opportunity just comes up, and then yeah, she. Yeah, it's an opportunity thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then by the time. And then she, she can't bring herself to to go get him. And she's telling herself this story that he'll be better off. And she's probably fucked up. Like something that happens when you're manic depressive or, de or even just depressed depressed is you think you don't deserve anyone's love and you don't deserve anything good to happen to you. And you think everybody in your life would be better off without you. Yeah. That's like a, like a classic uh, part of that illness enough yeah. that it's almost like a cliche. And I feel like that's kind of where she's at. And when you when you meet her late, and I mean, it's all really subtle. And I might be reaching to like make this work, <laughs> just because I was glad that they <laughs> if they're gonna do this this subplot at all, yeah. I was glad that they they bothered to show her side of the story. But if it didn't need to be there, I wouldn't. I don't care if it's in the comics or not. Being not a comic reader and generally thinking that it's okay if they change things, but like at the same time, you could argue that it's a waste of 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 a. Uh, time that could have been better spent on Savannah or on the kids, two things that I think they didn't spend enough time on, yeah. uh, I could kind of go with that. But I, I think the idea is that when you see her later on in life, um, she just has no idea how to deal with him. And she doesn't seem like she's in a good place. She's a waitress. Uh, it sounds like her boyfriend or husband is a dick. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she doesn't look happy. At, she looks old like and used up and not happy. And I feel like that's kind of her. I think that she's, you see that how, how like, that choice to leave him there fucked her whole life. Yeah. 
It could have been a, you know, she thought her life was fucked when she left him, like, like before she left him. And then leaving him was what really fucked her life up. Yeah. And it's not about, uh, it's not about justice, right? Some people watch this and be like, serves her right. It, it's about empathy. Yeah. The whole reason yeah. they show her side of the story is so that you can empathize with her a little bit, even though you still kind of come away being like, what the fuck, lady? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> But it's a very uncomfortable thing, and I and I and I respect that the movie makes you confront that this is a thing that happens to people. But at the same time, uh, like we were saying, in this day and age, does it really? It might be straining credulity a little bit, straining believability that she could just leave her kid at a fucking carnival and and nobody would ever find her. Yeah, like. I, I buy that. Hopefully my speech here helps you look at it a little bit differently, but I think that that criticism is fair. Yeah. Like that maybe it doesn't need to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, even though I like, I like what they ended up doing with it. It would have been, I would have agreed with you for sure if they had just had him go talk to her and she just slams the door in his face or, or was like, oh, Billy, uh, nice to see you, but I'm not, you know, if they had like made it a little bit more, um, like it's anticlimactic on purpose, but if they had been, if they made him her more, look more villainous or more shitty, I would have been like, they don't need that. His life's bad enough. Like yeah. just yeah. make him an orphan and fucking move on. But I think it was a good way of bringing yeah. the kids into it as well, because obviously it's the kids that find right. out the address of his mom and stuff like that. So it's kind of like their way of saying, look, we accept you, but we realize that you really want to find your mom. So we, we found right. her for you. So if you want to go speak to her, you can go speak to her, but just know that, you know, we're here for you. So I think it's kind of a, a nice way for his foster family to get involved with his search for his mom and finally close that chapter of his life for him. And I think him seeing his mom as well made him realize that he does have people that actually care for him and want to see him do well. Whereas she's just kind of like, oh, cool. You're still alive. That's good. Uh, I've got to go to work. Yeah. I'll see you later. Like, don't come here again. Yeah. Kind of thing. It kind of made him realize that, you know, she wasn't this angel that she that he'd always pictured her, and that she didn't even yeah. remember him. And he adapts really fast to it too. Yeah. Like, and he does something like that's a big moment for him because he doesn't get mad. He doesn't storm off. The movie doesn't go like poor Billy. Instead, he does. He empathizes with her, and he gives her the compass. And he's like, maybe you'll you're like he's like he realizes she's the one that's lost. Yeah. And he can see he can see what the movie might be too subtle for us to really easily see about her, like like the shit that I'm talking about that I might be reaching for <laughs> a little bit. But but I don't think we're done with his mom either. I think that uh, giving her that compass and saying, "Hey, you know, I exist," is open ended enough that like that's what he's kind of hoping for. Like he's sort of like saying like he's accepting where she's at, but move it, but he's gonna move on yeah. and then leave it in her in her hands. Um, which is like I th- kind of powerful because like I have uh, a relationship sort of like that with my father where like I, we don't speak really and like he wasn't there when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wish that I'd had the like symbolic Hollywood kind of like gravitas to like send a message that succinct but that meaningful, you know, to my dad where yeah. I hand him a compass and I'm like, <laughs> goodbye, goodbye for now, dad, yeah. you know, or ellipsis. Yeah. <laughs> like, goodbye forever. So, so like, you know, like it was a cool, I think it was a cool scene if they were going to do that, that subplot at all. Yeah. But if they, they didn't, maybe they didn't need that subplot. Uh, and I definitely think that if like I was, if you, if you put me in a room and they were like, Evan, it's up to you to decide this moment, this whole subplot with a mom or more Savannah slash the kids. Yeah. I would probably pick Savannah and the kids. I think I probably yeah. would too. Yeah. I definitely would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you can appreciate. I I think I can appreciate 
what they did and still think that they could have made a different choice and would have been just as good if not better. Yeah. Um, and I like that this movie's like that. There's there's not even my my criticisms before are not like, well, it was great except for that one thing. <laughs> it's more like these are very like you have to like something enough to make those kinds of those kinds of really subtle granular criticisms. Yeah. Like if I didn't like the movie, I'd be a lot like I wouldn't be interested enough in it to even notice this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the film and and he, none of these things that I'm picking at ruined it for me at all. It's like right. little things that could maybe have been tweaked to make it better. But but for me, it was it was really good. And I will uh, the director of the film surprised me when I when I saw who it was. Right. I didn't expect that guy, you know, David F. Sandberg to be the director of Shazam because this is like I looked at his IMDb and this is like only his third major movie production yeah like previous to that he did and two of them were horror yeah movies. Annabelle Creations and Lights Out and Lights Out is like based off a short that he did in 2016 so like yeah so, so to come from like doing shorts for like the majority of his film career to do two like mid-budget horror films to then be doing this and have it be so successful is just it's fantastic for him. Oh yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna have his pick of projects oh, now. Oh for sure. Um, like I think Shazam's gonna make like half a billion dollars before the month is over. Like it's gonna make a lot of money. It's gonna make Captain Marvel money, but it's gonna make huge money. Yeah. Uh, and DC, like you know, they're on a winning streak, and this movie continues it. I also think it's interesting that I think out of all the Disney or all the MC or the ah, fuck DCEU projects <laughs> that they had going after Justice League, this was the only one that didn't change. Besides Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 2, yeah. this is the only one I think that didn't change its director and writers like 15 times. Yeah. Like yeah. the reason why Flash hasn't gotten made is because nobody will make it. They, they keep getting fired or quitting. Um, same with a bunch of other projects. Uh, and then Wonder Woman um, pa- always had Patty Jenkins. Yeah. And uh, Aquaman, when they got Justin Lin, that's when it was off to the races. Yeah. Before him, that was a movie that was in, like was announced and they talked about it and it was like, oh, it's going to come out next year. And then, oh no, it's going to come out two years from now. It was supposed to come out before Justice League and then it didn't because they fired, the, you know, just a mess, yeah. right? Uh, it feels like the ship, uh, it's a good time to be a DC fan maybe. Yeah. Because it's, uh, the ship is finally getting righted. Yeah. Uh, they're starting to take more chances. Uh, Shazam is by no means a, like a slam dunk movie the way a Batman movie might yeah. be. Uh, or the way the Joker is going to probably be, because people will go see that even if it's oh, not. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, they're just going to be like, because because it looks it looks good. It's it's an interesting experiment. It's a it's a prestige looking movie with a prestige actor. It doesn't look like any other comic book related movie that's been coming out. So I mean, that's one that that like if they keep doing that, if they keep taking risks. Uh, it'll pay off, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this is the start of a big DC revival. I would love to see some really big budget DC uh, superhero films. Um, uh, Andy's a huge Batman fan. Our entire apartment's covered in yep. Batman stuff. So um, anything involving Batman will go down well in this household. I just want them to stop trying to be Marvel 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Like they, you know what I mean? They got to do their own. They got to come at things their own way. And not try to just like capture the Marvel thing in two movies like they did. Yeah. They just try to skip to the end. It's like with a lot of these streaming services. Like they see that it's successful for one guy over there, and five years later when they get their shit together, they f- they suddenly start trying to do it. But then they're playing catch up. Yeah. And a lot of companies that end up in that situation, whether it's video games or movies or TV shows, they rush that that catch up phase and they don't earn it. Yeah. And then when they don't earn it, it falls apart. You know, happened to the Dark Universe thing too with. Uh, 
with Guillermo del Toro. It happened yeah. with um, the Mummy universe they were trying to make, where they're going to do all the all the Universal monsters, and they they made a bad movie, and then that whole thing falls apart. You know, I was so looking forward to that as well. I didn't mind the Mummy when it came. Oh out. fuck, I hated that movie, Mummy with uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. it wasn't as bad as I thought. It, it was wasn't be, as bad as I thought I, it was going to be, that. but I I. I enjoyed it. It was like something I could just stick on and watch. I was I was hoping there would be more dark universe stuff because I'm I would fucking love that so much. Uh, but it, I'm kind of sad that it's not going to happen. I just thought it was uh, like really low effort, but like you know, not not offensively so, like Assassin's Creed or something. <laughs> yeah. But like you know, because that is like one of the worst movies I've seen like <laughs> in years. I fucking I hate agree. that movie. But yeah, like, it's not good. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I mean, I've played all the games, like but should... even then, like... Oh, I know. The, ga- the games are fine. The, the movie was garbage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, this is now the Assassin's Creed movie pod- pod- podcast. I said I was going to run that joke. <laughs> and you are doing it. One question I have for you, Andy, is do you, do you think you'll enjoy the movie more on its own terms if you see it again? Because now you'll know what to expect and you'll know what they change and everything? Probably. It was the same thing with Captain Marvel... I watched it Sam, and I liked yeah. it, but it was so much better the second time. So I think I, I do want to watch Shazam again. And I will watch it yeah, again. Yeah, I, I want to see it again. I'm not in a rush to go out to the theater to see it again. Same with how I wasn't with Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, I used to go see like movies that I really liked and that were big movies that, that were long and, and really involved, like mostly superhero movies. I would go see two times in a theater, yeah. like as a rule. Yeah. Like I'll probably see Endgame twice in theaters. I saw Infinity War three times mm-hmm. in theaters. Um, I saw uh, Last Jedi twice in theaters. Like, you know, I do it now and then, but I don't do it as much as I used to. So I'll save it for Endgame. But Shazam is one that as soon as it comes out on streaming or I can get my hands on it, I'll watch yeah, it. Same. Yeah, we'll probably watch Endgame a couple of times in the theaters. For sure. And then when oh, Shazam yeah. comes out on DVD, we'll probably rent it so that my dad can watch it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Will that one be like, do you guys buy DVDs and Blu-rays still? Like, are you, are you still collect the physical stuff? We do every once in a while. I don't like to pay that much money for for DVDs yeah. so when they come out and they're like $20, $25. I usually wait. But I'll take a picture of my DVD shelf for you guys sometime. <laughs> I just don't have the space anymore. That's, I stopped buying shit because I don't have the space. But uh, but yeah, like we, would you buy this one? Probably. I think I would buy it more for the fact that it's a DC movie. And the fact okay, that... Okay, so uh, kind of just to, co- to collect. Yeah. I've been building up and collecting the uh, the Marvel, this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. See, I would, but they're too fucking expensive. Like Disney Blu-rays are thirty thirty plus dollars. They they sell they cost way more for no reason. Yeah. Um, I used to buy the the Disney Princess and animated films for my daughter, and before Blu-ray, and they were they were always like the same price. Everything else back then, and then I don't know what happened. But it was maybe when Disney really started to get going again with by acquiring Star Wars and Marvel, they started getting like big again um then everything just shot up in, in price and i stopped doing that they own like 47 percent of all media like they don't need more money they could make their dvds five dollars each oh, and they would fucking, make money you know they're they're building a they're building a dome on on the moon <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna take over the world like there's gonna be stormtroopers yeah. like taking over the streets of the u.s pretty soon they're, yeah they're huge i oh I actually really wanted to buy like the old Disney movies on Blu-ray and stuff like Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. And they're all so expensive. What's so bizarre about that, though, is that Disney Plus is going to be really cheap for Americans. It's only going to be seven bucks. Really? Yeah. And it comes out for you guys in December. 
we have to wait until uh, first quarter next year, so probably around a year from now, and it's going to probably cost more in Canada because everything fucking dies. That's crazy. I thought it was going to be like easily $25 a month. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. They're they're I, I think they want they want people to get it uh, more than they, they I think they want to I think they're aware that people are, are skittish about the whole oh, another fucking streaming service. Like, what are you what are you doing? Um, although a lot of products have what's called a Disney tax, uh, like Lego, for instance, there's the Disney tax. So anything that's licensed by Disney. So Star Wars, Marvel, all of it, it costs more. Yeah. Stupid really, Disney. everything that's licensed. So the DC stuff costs more, too. But most of their licenses are with Disney. So that all they're, they're, it's all like 15% more expensive than regular Lego is. So uh, th- that's also Blu-rays and DVDs. But what's interesting to me is that they don't seem to be interested in doing that for their streaming service. No. Which is really bizarre. No. And I don't know if they're doing that like restaurants do it where they're going to roll it out cheap so they capture a huge amount of market share and then start raising the prices. Probably. That's what Netflix Because even Netflix is doing yeah. that. It took them fucking seven years, but they're doing it, you know? And I'm not, I'm not happy about no. that. No. They don't, they don't have any, there's no call for it. No. You can just keep something the but, same price uh, and you, you're still going to make money off it. But that's how this, this shit goes. So monopolies are bad. Companies get too big for their britches and they start doing really anti-consumer things and too often they get away with it. Yeah. Because they get us, you know, they get, they get you, they, 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 they groom you into their humble, into, into their home and then they wear the clown suit and... <laughs> And they put you in a ball gag and uh, make you watch fucking Assassin's Creed on a loop for 10 hours. <laughs> I'm fairly While slapping sick. you in the face with a giant rubber dildo. Oh, I think that's... Uh, I didn't realize Disney was uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, well, among <laughs> other things. They're well, the well, new you Skynet. Think, you, you, think, you think that fucking dome on the moon isn't full of like killer robot mice? Because it is. <laughs> killer robot mice. They're, They're going to release yeah. them into the populace. And they all they all sound like like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and it's meant to figure, make us feel safer. Hey, hey, kids. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so final thoughts on Shazam then. Uh, I will say I love the film. I will watch it. I will buy it. I think it was great. It was funny. It had heart. It what didn't take itself too seriously, but it also had really dark moments. I want to see more of it. So, yay. Andy? I thought it was pretty good for a movie. You could tell it was targeting <laughs> pretty good like, for the a movie. younger adults. <laughs> pretty good for a movie. <laughs> pretty good for That's a movie. Good. There's some bad movies out there. It wasn't bad. But well, You didn't love it. No, I did not love it. Maybe you will second time uh, around like uh, Sam did. This is reminding me of Sam's uh, journey with Captain Marvel. Big yeah. time. Uh, but, but you might you might be more of a stick to your guns, not less easy to to swing back the other way. Uh, but I tend to be like that too. I tend to not like if it's something I care about a lot. I tend not to like it the first time, and then I, I like it the second time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So would you would you would you recommend it to other hardcore Shazam fans? Would you recommend it to people just because it's it's a good DC movie? I would recommend it to. Ed- to anybody, pretty much, you could tell it's targeting like the younger children. It's not mm-hmm. like an adult movie or nothing. Now, the hardcore Shazam fans might not like it because of all the changes that they've made, but they might still like it. <laughs> they might. Uh, they might. <laughs> I guess it depends <laughs> on their attitude towards adaptations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it could go either way. <laughs> yeah. If. If the if people 
take under consideration that whenever they're making a movie out of something like either a book or a comic book, they hardly ever keep to the same story. They'll keep the same big parts, but other than that, they'll change almost everything. Yeah, and they and I mean they do that because like um, I've talked about this before, but the idea is that like all the stuff that you care about as a diehard fan, like and that's the royal you, that's anyone who's a fan of something, uh, it's like bonus content for you. Yeah, and like if you're watching it and they have that stuff that's like re- like the little caterpillar that's psychic, we might never see that yeah. thing again. But it's from the comics, and I didn't know that. I didn't care about it. I thought it was I thought it was bonkers and cool in that way. But <laughs> for somebody watching that and knows what it is, they're gonna get a little juice out of that. They're gonna love that. Yeah, I had um, no idea what that it's was. It's for them. <laughs> yeah, right. I and love then, that after credit scene. I love that after credit yeah. scene. And and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the reasons why they're so successful at changing the comics and still winning people over is because they they include some of that stuff for the diehards, and then they they do funny things like like. Fury's eye or the Mandarin yeah. turning out to be a fake and they do these things where they they fuck with their own lore and continuity because comics have kind of always done that and uh and, and I think like we have to always remember when we're watching one of these movies is that Shaz- the, the Shazam movie is really about giving a new version of Shazam um to the world that didn't care about Shazam before and that's also what happens anytime you relaunch a comic book character so Shazam has been around since the 20s and uh, or something like that, 40s, I think. And Shazam's gone through, as a character, has gone through many uh, reinventions. And this is just one more, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what, I, that's what I would say to counter anyone who is too worried about it being different. Although I respect that uh, it can be very off-putting when, when, it, when somebody changes something, and especially when, they, when it feels like they're changing because they think they know better, but it, the change ends up being worse because The Walking Dead was full of that. That was yeah. a huge, it's a huge problem with that show. They always change the comic book stuff, thinking they can do it better, and they almost never do actually do anything yeah. better. So, and then they circle, especially the last few seasons, they circle around of fucking, fucking doing the comic book stuff anyway, just with different characters. Um, this is now a Walking Dead podcast. <laughs> so what's your final thoughts on Shazam, Evan? Did, do you like I've it? I've given every kind of thought about Shazam, yep. final or otherwise. No, uh, for, <laughs> for me, um, in the recent DC thing, it actually ranks third out of Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, and Shazam. They're all good, but Wonder Woman uh, was, was like, Wonder Woman, the second time I saw it, made me cry. Um, and Aquaman is just my kind of dumb fun. So I got a, a bigger reaction out of that than, than this, but Shazam is probably the best of the three movies. It's not my favorite, but it's really good. And it's, it's, it's probably quality wise, structurally, the kind of like nitty gritty criteria, storytelling shit that I care about yeah. that stuff. It, it, it's the best at it. It doesn't have a broken third act like Wonder Woman. It doesn't have explosions to advance the plot every five minutes like Aquaman does. It's not as stupid as Aquaman. Uh, it's not as compromised as Wonder Woman. So it, it, it is the best of the three movies, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. Aquaman, it will always be my favorite. Aquaman was good. I'll give Aquaman you that. Aquaman was really good. I fucking love that movie. Dumb, dumb as it is, I love it. So th- those are my final thoughts. And now it is haiku time. Are you ready for haiku time, Andy and Sam? Yes. I mean, Andy's shaking his head. He doesn't know what a haiku is, but uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> but I'm not prepared. I said I was prepared, but I'm not prepared. So okay. who wants to take the first stanza? 
Uh, I'll do the first stanza. Okay. So here's how, here's just a just a flash of haiku stuff. If Andy doesn't know what haiku is, that's okay. I don't know how often these come up in in regular people's lives, <laughs> but uh, haiku is just a, a Japanese poem that's three lines, five five um, syllables, seven syllables, then five more. Um, and it, it, people like doing them because they they force you to think poetically in a really condensed form. Um, so my first stanza, five syllables, is not so grim dark now. Not so grim dark now. Okay. okay, that's five. Now Sam hit us with seven. Let's let's well, we won't put seven on Andy this time. Uh, Zachary Three. Levy is buff. <laughs> Good. That's seven. Not so grim dark now. Zachary Levy is buff. Good. Okay. Andy, do you feel up to giving us to taking us home with the last five syllable line? No, I don't think I can do it. Okay, I do have one ready for this. Okay. okay. We comfortable with me doing the last one? Okay. Okay. Yep. Just say it. Shazam. Just say ah, it. I like it. Shazam. Yeah, that's better than what I had. I was just gonna say something. Not so sense. grim dark now. <laughs> Zachary Levy is buff. Just say it. Shazam. Not so grim dark now. Zachary Levy is buff. Just say it. Shazam. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's right. my favorite. I think that's one. our finest our finest work. It yet. is, yeah. Yeah. Although I did have fun uh, trying to figure out whether Lupita Nyong'o, whether Nyong'o was two syllables or three. <laughs> I think it's two. I think I don't think we fucked that up. I think it was two. Nyong'o. Nyong'o? Nyong'o. Uh, yeah, I don't think she says it Nyong'o. No. That sounds like neon glow. <laughs> neon glow. Although if I was, if my last name was Nyong'o, that would be my street name, <laughs> Neon Glow. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is good. Like it's better than like, uh, oh man, I met this girl uh, once whose last name was Cooper and it was uh, something Cooper, the super duper uh, pooper scooper. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah that's actually that's actually all right i think that's that's pretty good um okay <laughs> that's our show no, uh, <laughs> i just thanks for coming on andy uh you're our first guest it is you also won a contest on the last podcast we were on yeah, only, you're constantly very reliable and i think that if there was a number one fan shirt that we had uh you would be wearing it. <laughs> he does good. sleep with a lot of hosts there so <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> so uh it's on the inside track <laughs> where can we find you online and do you have any uh do you want to promote uh your page for your wrestling or anything i don't have a twitter i do have um we shouldn't on... have one either <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know huh uh i'm on facebook i'm dreamy drew and instagram as dreamy drew Dreamy Drew, his wrestling name. Yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, not that I'm on there very often, mostly. It's just my Instagram posts. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at Sam underscore Jane with a Y. And on Instagram, I'm at Just Base. And Evan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Todd McCoy. Um, you can also find a blog that I occasionally update which is long-form analytical film reviews, and you can find that at thunderclam.wordpress.com. Thunder like the thunder, clam like the shellfish, wordpress.com. That makes me laugh every time I hear you say it. 
<laughs> oh, I made, it, it, uh, I I was a kid and I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Is it? It's a very it's a very unintentionally sexual handle in the way that only a kid could come up with by accident. Yeah. But that's that's been one of my internet handles since I was like <laughs> ten years old. I was gonna say, isn't it a euphemism for a vagina? It, yeah, people think so. I mean, I guess it could be, but it, I, I I initially saw a picture of a clam and it was super. It had a little angry face. I think there was like a like a like a little like. Clip art, there's some kind of like picture used to go around about an, with an angry clown. Might have been one of those like uh, Facebook Messenger sticker things. Yeah. And uh, it was something like, no, no, it couldn't have been that because it was longer ago than that, but it was something like that. It might even have been a sticker. And I just pictured this clown rising out of the sea and throwing lightning at people. <laughs> okay. Hence Thunder Clown. I, I, and I just, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I mean, I, I think you have a movie that. there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> It'd be a good kids movie to teach lessons about the ocean. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check me out on, on thunderclam.wordpress.com. Uh, I'll say thunderclam like 10 more fucking times. Um, drop us likes in general everywhere you find us if you can. If there is no engagement button, make one. Uh, send us emails. Uh, comment, let us know how we're doing on the podcast. This episode ran long again, but that's okay because we had a special guest this time. Yeah. Um, and I think that you can deal with us for two hours if you're still listening to us at this point at all. <laughs> um, what is our email address, Sam? I can never remember. It's a movie night S N E. So that's Sierra uh, Nevada. Nevada. Uh, Edward. Huh? Say it again. <clears throat> Sierra Nora Edward. Sierra Nora Edwards. Yeah. So at gmail.com. Um, I don't know why I made it have acronyms in it when I can't pronounce Latin names. But uh, hit us up on Twitter if if you if you can't if the email doesn't work or if you if it's too long to remember and you think we should change yeah, it. Yeah, we might eventually have a Twitter for the actual podcast, but one of us would have to run it and yeah. neither of us can be bothered and at this moment in time, to be honest. We both touch our nose going, not it. Yeah. So maybe in a hundred episodes we might have a twitter page or something i don't know but we'll get there eventually if you if you think we should have more of a social media presence you need to do your part and follow us and and bug us and and you know smash that like button yeah subscribe like all that shit um we're having a bit of trouble with <laughs> apple podcasts at the moment they don't seem to like the our podcast which might be saying something um but i'm yeah i'm working on it with them to try and get it up there but we are available on spotify and pretty much most other podcast streaming services um if you have a podcast service that you listen to that you want us added to if you're somehow listening to us on something else let us know and i can have it added Okay, so next week we are going to be doing Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, right? Yep. Yeah, Pet Cemetery, which I'm looking forward to because I'm a massive. The reason King it sounds fan. like we don't know is because uh, we've been kicking around whether to do Hellboy or Pet Cemetery first. Yeah, uh, we're going to do Pet Cemetery because it came out just in order of release. So we're going to do Pet Cemetery, and then we'll, we'll say this for now, even though it might change if something happens. But we're planning on doing Hellboy after that. And then Endgame after that. Yeah. So that, that's our next three episodes, just just for you, if you're listening to this stuff. Yeah. And we're hoping to have another special guest on for the Avengers Endgame uh, episode. Um, yep. So next week, Pet Cemetery, and we will catch you then. Thank you for listening. You already filter information from sound, smell, and touch, but now you're going to be assaulted by a million things you never even knew existed.